0: This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today and I'm joined as always by my, my good friend, my business partner, the dear, the sweet, the wonderful, the generous, the omniscient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're either thinking you're omniscient, but you are Jason Johnston Yellen. But here's something that's different, Jason. I am looking you in the eye. In the same room, and in the I'm, same hotel room. And okay, I'm Jason.
1: looking at the wall while you are looking me in the eye. And I'm just trying to make you uncomfortable
0: too intense. by capturing it's your too attention. Intense.
1: Dial it down. Dial Look at me. it
0: down. Look at me. Call me by your name. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Proclaim my moniker.
1: <laughs> yeah, hello from Philadelphia. Hello from Philadelphia. How are you, sir? I've been watching a lot of... Go uh, easy. Uh, Choose your words. The John Mulaney, Nick Kroll... Characters on Broadway with. Uh, oh. oh, I thought I you were going to go
0: with uh, with uh, what's the what's the show that I love? What's the show that I love that has them in there? Game and of Thrones. Cartoon, no, they're cartoon characters. Oh, Middle Big Earth. Mouth. Big Mouth. <laughs> so what is this Nick Kroll, John Mulaney Broadway thing?
1: Yeah, they play a couple of older gents. All right. Who are theater buffs in New York City. Uh, it's wonderful. How wonderful. do I not know about this? I yeah, love the two of them. I think it's actually called Oh Hello from Broadway. I think that's their show. Oh, I bet you Haida knows about it. I bet you she does. Well, it's worth checking out. It's can unpaid. I can I give a plug? Unpaid, of course. <laughs> All right, yes. The please, only um, way we do un- things unpaid. around yep. here. Yep. Plug away. We had a lovely round of drinks and dinner at Monk's Cafe in downtown Philadelphia. Monks Cafe was a cafe that
0: you and I had heard both John Hansel from the Whiskey Advocate. Go on. I thought <laughs> you were
1: gonna say a different John. Carry on. Uh, I would even go I would even go as far
0: back as to say John Hansel from Malt Advocate <laughs> talk about this. And and then also uh, Lou Bryson talk about Monk Monks Cafe for a while. Uh, What's the John I'm missing? And Malaney. also John... Single letter. John Quincy Adams.
1: Oh, you had the
0: right syllable. John Q?
1: Oh, you just missed it.
0: John L. John K. Oh, John K. <laughs>
1: Sorry, John. John K, yeah, Sorry, John. of course. I apologize for John, John <laughs> at This moment. He, listen. We I'm, had a lot of monks cafe, We I'll had be a honest. lot of monks cafe. <laughs> a lot
0: of monks cafe. And we had cask samples to go through before we that. Did. We did.
1: We, yeah. did. we did. We did. We did. We did yeah. a lot of business. And then we did a lot of Monks Cafe. And then we did a lot more business. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and yeah. Can I... Can, talking about business. Are we still plugging? Uh, no, no. My, we're my, done my, plugging. My plug we monks talk about Monks. We talk about John K. Can mm-hmm. I... The listeners don't know this, but you do. Oh, I'm scared now. In the last episode, we talked about catching up with a few emails. Yes, and you delved as deep as February. But before we had started the recording, I was trying to find an email from December that I thought Mm. I had flagged Mm -hmm. in my inbox, Mm -hmm. and I had not, and I hadn't marked it as unread, and I just couldn't find it. Once we completed the last recording, Mm -hmm. I found the email... Saved as a PDF on my desktop. This is one step away from printing it. It is one... It is...
0: What's so funny it's like, I could print this, but that would mean I'm old. And so, therefore, I'll just make a PDF of it. Save the PDF and to just my desktop. pop it
1: onto my desktop. I think that makes you even older than old. But listen, the, yeah. the reason that I wanted us to talk about this email... It's because a lot of thought went into it. And it it came to us on December 22nd. And to be honest, I'm deep into vacation at that point. I am not looking at emails. I'm not opening my inbox. December 22nd. (sighs) But Trevor Wiki. Oh, yeah. I know that name. Took the time to send a very thoughtful email. And for the last three full months... (laughs) I have felt terrible about not pivoting back to it. Mm -hmm. So I am pivoting back to it right now. Do it. Uh, Trevor, uh, apologies
0: for Jason. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he, he printed this email. To be fair, he sent it to the info account. So uh, there's more than just That's Jason. not an
0: account that I oh, observe. No, so it no, all falls on no. your shoulders. Hey, it's okay. not Christmas,
1: motherfucker. It's <laughs> <laughs> Simadonna. All right. all right, all right. So, so Trevor Wiki writes, and this came in December 22nd, 9.42 a.m. He got yeah. a good start on the day okay. uh, of December 22nd. And he opens up in the most perfect way. He doesn't... There's no salutation. Yeah. Just gets right to the meat of the matter. Right in. No foreplay. The first word is so. Oh,
0: that's... Yeah, that's so, comma, boom. No comma. Oh, no comma. There's no
1: time for commas. He just goes right in. Yeah. All right, okay. So Trevor writes... Trevor, go ahead. So I have given this some real thought. Period. Period. That's, okay. that's the opening sentence. Do I have so your I've, attention?
0: So I've given this some thought, period. Yep. Do I have your attention?
1: No, no. I'm, I'm saying to you, do I have your attention? Oh, you've got my attention. Okay. Yes. Back to Trevor. As I didn't get a lottery pick for the Wild Turkey selection, oh. shots fired. Yeah. Shots fired right there. Yeah. I hear you, Trevor.
3: I see you. I see you, He's I see wrong. you over there He's
1: sending right. an email. Since I didn't get blah 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 blah, my favorite whiskey from Single Cast Nation. Ah,
0: we were asking people what their favorite whiskeys were. Yes, okay. For the for the final email of the year, the the year in wrap. Got it. Okay. Yep. 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 Yep.
1: He says, as I didn't get a lottery pick for the Wild Turkey selection, my favorite whiskey from Single Cast Nation one A. 1A, okay. Was the VDC selection. Virginia yes. Distillery yes. Company. Okay, okay. 666, six, six, six. Yep. delicious. Here is why. It is exceptional with your eye closed. Mm.
0: Oh, I like
2: that.
1: And if someone put it in front of you to taste, it is a winner that you would assume was a Highland Scotch. Huh. And Trevor's yeah, mm-hmm. not the first person to no. draw attention to this. This has been compared to old school McAllen, mm-hmm. Glenn Farkless, mm-hmm. some people Glendronach. Like big, heavy, sherry, Highland yep. Scotch Big-headed. style. One B was the Dal Ewan. The mistake? <laughs> Happy accident, that. sir. Happy accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor writes, it was so good. I have made my wife hide it from me so I can savor it. Wow.
2: <laughs>
1: that is so funny.
0: I feel as if I've asked Haida to do that before. Like, can you just like right. keep this out of my line of sight?
1: Please put this somewhere where I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But the reason that I picked this is yes, the opening paragraph is very complimentary of us, but I like it because he then goes on to talk about. Other bottles that are not ours. Ah, okay. Oh, that's nice. So Trevor says, Store bottle pick, a Kilhoman eight-year single barrel mm-hmm. that was offered to our Wheaton Whiskey Club and was a Fred Minnick pick. I didn't know Fred was picking oh, Kilhoman casks.
0: Yes, I seem to remember that. It was... Can, can I, I, I do remember that. Can... Does he talk about the cask? Nope. He says, super tasty, and I have two now. I want to say that that was a cask that was, like, maybe from some weeder, from some, like, weeded bourbon cask
1: ah, or something like okay. that.
0: Yeah, I could be wrong, but I... Oh, I, 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 okay. That's what my
1: gut tells me. Okay, okay. Yep. Uh, Trevor continues. <laughs> Best whiskey, and he puts E in parentheses. Oh, boy best whiskey at an organized dinner slash tasting mm-hmm. Red Breast Lestau.
0: Ah you were drinking I that just I just mentioned yeah.
1: this an episode yeah. ago it was paired with a creme brulee and was fantastic Checks out Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think you'd made mention of this tonight at dinner actually that there's a, a breakaway Facebook group for Single Cast Nation Yes that was talking, uh, who was the person who was just talking? Ian Bruce. Ian Bruce, yeah. Was just talking about the value of pairing whiskey with food. With food, yeah. And is it, is it worth doing? Yep. Does it detract? Does it amplify? Here's Trevor Wickey saying, I had a creme brulee with a red breast lestau. Totally checks out. And it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, totally checks yep, out. Absolutely. Checks boxes for me. Yeah that that it's it's
0: been interesting. I told you over dinner I I accidentally created this single cast nation Facebook <laughs> chat group and it's sort of taken on a life of its own and it's it's been great to watch and you know as an owner of the company I sometimes question <laughs> how much chiming in should I be doing? Like, is this, is this for members only? Mm -hmm. You know, is it, can, can an owner chime in? And I chime in every now and again, but I don't need to because nation members are just having conversations and it's, it's kind of awesome, and it's so nice that this email from December, right, is connected to this chat that we saw there you
1: go uh, on March 29. Yeah, there, so there you, you go. go. Yeah. Very good, cool. good times. Good yeah. times. Yep. I currently have something in my eye, which I'm grappling with. But um, um, that's that's me. Sorry. That's, let me let I me. wish you would stop poking <laughs> me in the eye when <laughs> I'm trying to talk z- to you. Zip this back. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to read an email over here on PDF. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fucking pdf is um, that a,
1: a portable uh document file or something that you got there i always thought it was portable document format i could be wrong i, I have no skin in this game i just always thought the f was format oh i thought it was file maybe, anyway yeah. maybe you know. we're both right yeah why not trevor writes Bottle kills that made me cry this year. Ooh, cry is good. Isn't and by it? this year, he, he, means, he means last year, twenty twenty two. Yeah, there well, goes. No, Sorry, he goes. he tremble. he meant twenty twenty two. We're just <laughs> referencing it a few months <laughs> late. Uh, bottle kills that made me cry this year because they will be missed. The Port Charlotte fourteen. Now I'm I'm guessing he does not say here. But I'm guessing this is our single I, cast I nation.
0: 100% guarantee he's Port Charlotte about. 14. Yes. He's got to be talking about that.
1: Trevor says this is the bottle that made me learn about the nation. Oh, so, so there, you there you go. go. There, there you go. go. There's, you go. There's go. the there answer. And it was just languishing at my friend's house before I proposed a swap. So his friend
0: had it and just wasn't doing Look at anything that. with it? Trevor.
1: Follow up, please. What was the swap? Yeah, what, what did, did you give your friend oh gosh. that that freed the Port Charlotte fourteen from their grasp? I'm very curious about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, Wow. Wow. Okay. So please, Trevor, follow yeah, please. up, please. And, and I promise we will cover it much sooner. <laughs> but feel, yeah, also feel free to take three to months. Take three to, months. We would to- still cover it in a future episode. <laughs> These episodes are every two weeks, like three months passes in the blink of an eye. That's true, that's true too. And then he says, last but not least, Mm. and this is in the category of bottle kills that made him cry. Last but not least, a Russell's Reserve single barrel Hmm. private selection bottled in 2017. I wish I had more of that one as well. Does he give? Any None at point? all The
0: store None at all house. But if he's going to
1: follow up About what the swap was Give us more info On this 2017 Russell's Reserve Single barrel Yeah
0: Yeah I'm curious If I <laughs> If I own it It would be nice To revisit it I've got so many Different
1: Russell's barrels I was going to say Is there anything You don't own Nothing <laughs> Stitzel Weller Just from Pappy Yeah drink all that <laughs> He signs <laughs> it Sincerely Trevor Wickie P.S. Oh, I like P.S. Postscript. Keep up the good work, and I am excited for next year's slash 2023's selections. Well, that was awesome,
0: Trevor, for for writing in. Apologies that Jason is such a a terrible human being. (laughs) Um, for I just, love, I love that
1: we're pretending that Only one of us has access to the info account That's a wrinkle I didn't see I've coming I've been chastised. chastised I've been
0: chastised, chastised. For even looking.
1: I can't even mention that account I can't even breathe in its direction Well let me tell you that later in this episode We will have two emails from the info account That we will be discussing uh, all right. okay. <laughs> And they came in Very very recently Um March twenty fifth and March twenty sixth. All right. Well, that's that's
0: good that we have them because I know that we really don't have much news to nah, share. We'll, we'll this skip episode. right past that part.
2: Yep. Um,
1: but Although I will say, having Jess on last episode to talk about the ROW was very well received. That was very exciting.
0: Listeners aside, that was real well received by me. Oh yeah. I I, I just really enjoyed having Jess on. Delightful. You know, news aside, just you know, reading emails and chitty chatting—that was just, that was awesome.
1: Asking her what puke the worm means—that was real. Fucking puke the worm. Did you, Jason, watch uh, Poltergeist too? Since uh, puke, I've been busy, done? real busy, real. I—I don't even think I've been home. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: what? What our viewers can't see right now, Jason is nosing and is about to take a sip from a little whiskey that I poured for him. And Mm. and this whiskey was poured in honor of today's guest, who's uh, David Thompson of Spirit of Yorkshire Distillery. And they've got a whiskey. The brand is called Filey Bay. It's kind of similar to us, right? We're J&J Spirits, but our brand is Single Cask Nation, right? Right. So, So we have some Yorkshire... Single malt. We do. In a glass. we
1: have got so many Yorkshire friends. Isn't that true? That's right.
0: Jess is a Yorkshire person. Yorkshire,
1: Yorkshire from Jess. Ollie. Yorkshire Ollie from Chilton. Ollie.
0: Our good David friend. Stirk. David Sterk. David Sterk. David Sterk's a Yorkshireman. Our dear
1: friends at Claxton's. Yeah, they're all Yorkshiremen. Yorkshire folk. Yorkshire folk. Now, like Yorkshire folk. And this is kind
0: of why, you know, it's interesting... When you look at the packaging on Filey Bay, it doesn't say English whiskey <laughs> anywhere. Like like mm. I'm looking I'm looking at this right here. Huh? It says Yorkshire
1: single malt whiskey. And David talks to this very <laughs> point in the interview. It's tremendous. <sighs> yep. But uh, God's yeah. own country. God Yeah, Yorkshire. it's God's country. Uh, but I also like the way he talks about the land, he talks about the soil, he talks about the ways to grow grain and how grain grows uh, in this particular part of Yorkshire.
0: Well, I th- one of the things that I like about this conversation, and our listeners are about to hear it, is I think it actually fits really well with your conversation that you had with the Anmacht sisters.
2: mm Indeed. as, indeed, as indeed, well
0: indeed. as our conversation with uh, Matt Hoffman when he's talking about
1: the commodity indeed, grain indeed. system. May we add the last episode of Extra Extra? Ah, uh, yeah, what was the last
0: episode of Extra? <laughs> oh, that was the climate and just, you know, green initiatives. and.
2: Right. Yeah,
1: there you go. Right, how... Are we growing the grain that goes into this spirit that we all love? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are we distilling this spirit yeah. that we all love? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, I, I was going to say this to the listener. This interview, just like Trevor's email, comes from a couple of months ago. Mm. And we interviewed David shortly after we'd spoken with Susanna Skyver Barton. Correct. And we were endeavoring to have a particular set of conversations in 2023. Now that we're actually getting to the David Thompson episode, mm. we have been having the types of conversations that we talked with him about wanting to have and with Suzanne about wanting yeah. to have. Yeah. That's that's been happening now. As we as we said in the last episode, was it Dan Gryson's email? Those are on Wax. <laughs> those have happened, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Those are in those are in cyberspace. Yeah. We have released those yeah. episodes where yeah. we're having this consistent conversation about how distilleries are doing what they do. Mm. The spirit is hugely important. The quality of the spirit is hugely important. Mm-hmm. But how it gets from field to bottle is also hugely important. And David was totally up for that conversation. David was was
0: 100% up for that conversation. And, right, it's your final goal is to create the best spirit that you can. And how do you treat your farm, your local community, the world, period, in the best way you can conscientiously while creating the best
1: spirit you can? and the thing I would want to signpost for the listener before we go over to this interview is David talks about being in university in the 1980s what was important then what was valued then what did one look at as a success story then Mm. and he's savvy enough to know and to understand that that criteria has changed in the last 40 years yeah and the conversations he's having in the 2020s are different than what he was taught in the 1980s and he Mm. is here for it he is all over that changing conversation yeah and I personally I had a blast talking to him. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. It was so exciting yes. getting into these and again we've done it a fair few times since we originally spoke to David but getting into the nuances mm. of agriculture the nuances of growing the nuances of fertilizer <laughs> like, yeah. like for two whiskey geeks to be sitting yep. talking about Fertilizer for fields of barley. Like, <laughs> I'm so yeah. proud of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think you know. Uh, my hope is is that people in other fields are having similar conversations. If there are two jamokes with a wine podcast, mm, I hope they're talking mm, to wine producers mm. that are discussing their vines and discussing Gosh, yes. the care of their soil and in all this stuff. Yes, right. It's yeah. Yep. Like, like, yes, I, I, agree with you. I'm, 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 I'm proud of us from the standpoint of we're going beyond the questions of whiskey, and and more to the origins of whiskey. But really, isn't that what we should be doing anyway? Hundred percent.
1: So, yep, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Well, yep. well said. I'm, I'm excited to to re-listen to this interview, and and re-familiarize myself with the important points made by David Thompson from Spirit of Yorkshire, while I sip on this filey bay that you poured. Cheers to that. Cheers.
3: David
0: Thompson, thank you so much for joining us on One Nation Under Whiskey. We're happy
3: to have you here. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: There, there are so many things that, that I want to talk about. Um, obviously, the distillery, Spirit of Yorkshire, uh, barley is a key thing that I want to discuss as well. But I don't think we can start the barley conversation properly without getting to know you a little bit in, in your life uh, with, with barley and with farming. So I wonder if you could... Just, just share a bit of your story with us and with the listeners that, that talks about your life on on the farm and and, and your your education with barley.
3: Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, th- I think it's fair to start by saying my life doesn't revolve around barley. <laughs> so, um, your middle name is Barleycorn? <laughs> it's, it's not David Barleycorn, no.
2: Um,
3: but clearly it's played quite a big part in my life um i suppose when i when i first started I, I i worked on a farm uh for three years so it was a, a mixed farm and then we're talking when i was sort of 16 17 looking for a job to do hmm. um and my my sort of love of farming came from that really and it, it was hard work you know i got all the rubbish jobs I had to go and. Uh, dust out all the grain bins and clean all the cobwebs away for the harvest and and things like that. I never got to drive the tractors or the combine (laughs) so so, you know you you had to cut your teeth really at the the, the dusty end of farming and um, but but I stuck at it and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed those three years and and that gave me sort of the I suppose the insight into to agriculture at grassroots level if that's Mm. not a pun. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and for, we'll take for, it from if it that, it's that, that, <laughs> quite a good pun, actually. I might keep that one. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I loved it that much that I decided I would go and uh, study it at, at college and, and went to uh, Nottingham um, Agricultural College. Mm-hmm. And I studied, actually, uh, agricultural merchanting or marketing, if you like, mm. which was um, effectively... Um, not directly farming as such but actually dealing with farmers helping them grow their crops helping them mm. uh, produce the best products they possibly could and that's not just barley it was wheat it was all seed rape it was lots of different crops um, i also had a little bit of anim- animal husbandry as well which is quite always quite interesting so if mm. you like i had three years of of learning um the the business behind agriculture you know crop crop science crop management um, and then eventually, um, after three years, um, I, I worked for a grain merchant um, who actually was a—it's called Cargill. So they're, they're actually a very, very big um, oh, yeah. mer- merchant in, in America. And, yeah, and yeah. we were opening the market for for Cargill in the UK. Oh, and God. there was four of us. So I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I sort of started in my area, which was uh, the Yorkshire Wolds. Which we'll go onto in, in more depth why that's such a good malting barley area, but. But effectively, I was helping farmers grow, grow crops and grow particularly malting barley to the best of uh, their ability, really.
0: Interesting. There was a, a term you used before, was it cr- crop science? Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you talk about that a, a little bit? Because, and the reason that I asked this question, when, when we had you on the, the Impacts Beverages uh, conversation about barley, it was an hour and a half conversation and right around one hour 25, I realized all of the barley questions I had for you were the wrong barley questions. <laughs> I, was, I was really coming at it from from a whiskey drinker's perspective and, and what barley does for whiskey and not necessarily from um, an agricultural perspective. So, So I wonder if you could if you could just dive into that a little bit and crop science.
3: Yeah, I mean, crop science. Um, it's not just about the crop. It's about the land, uh, mm. the soil, the dirt, I think you call it in America. <laughs> and we're in a, a very tricky place at the moment in agriculture where um, the soil uh, health has been eroded over years of, mm. of heavy inputs, You know, looking for big volumes of production following the wars. And... and um, you know, that's damaged the soil. And we've got to turn that around. So part of crop science is not just about the physical growing of a crop, but it's looking after the soil, the soil structure, Mm. the health of the soil. Because effectively, if we don't do anything different than what we're doing today, we're going to end up with no soil to actually grow the malting barley in any way. So all sustainability starts with the soil. So one of our sort of I suppose you call it crop science it starts with the stuff you plant the crop in Mm -hmm. Um, and we've done a lot on the farm in the last sort of few years to make sure that we're doing the best possible things that that sort of science knows about now to look after that soil for future generations and and again we can go into a lot of detail about that as we go along the chat but if you like Crop science, as I I say, starts with the soil. It then goes on to the variety and the type of varietals you use for particularly malting barley. Mm -hmm. The areas you grow it, because not everybody can grow, not every piece of soil and and every uh, climate can grow malting barley. So Mm -hmm. so that's part of the science of growing. Um, Disease management, crop management, Mm -hmm. when you harvest it. Uh, So there's loads of stuff that goes into that overall concept of crop science, if you like. And uh, if you don't get that bit right, you don't have beer, you don't have whiskey. So it's really, really important (laughs) to get it right.
0: When, uh, when I was over at the distillery, I think you had, you had harvested your barley a few weeks prior, uh, maybe a month prior. I don't, I don't remember the the exact timing, but I do recall you had just sort of other things growing at the time that would, that would grow and then die and, and put, um, certain nutrients back into the soil, and so I guess my question is, if if the tradition of every seventh year you let the field go fallow, and when you're out of season you you let other things grow to help uh, put nutrients back into the soil, despite that you're saying that soil is is still starting to erode and go away, it, are there experiments, potential solutions, way to re- ways to rethink this to, to save the soil?
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is cultivation. So you call mm. it tilling in, in America, but mm. effectively the more times you physically move that soil around, you're breaking the structure of it. So there's a big move towards no-till or min-till um, cropping now. Mm. So uh, if you think about it, um, what you would do with a normal crop is you would plough the soil from the previous... Uh, crop, you would turn it right over, you would then cultivate the top or till the top of it to make a nice fine seed bed, you would then plant your seed, you'd wait for it grow and then repeat it the following year. So mm-hmm. literally you're moving that soil around uh, an awful lot and the micro which are basically the fungi that lives in that soil are pretty much destroyed every time you do that and they're an incredible, uh, incredibly important part of that soil health. And again, you know, you could go on into detail with that, but we won't because that, that would be just too far. But, but fundamentally, the more times you touch that soil and move it, it's, it's damaging the structure of it. It's also, and this is one of the most important things as well, is it's releasing carbon to the atmosphere. So, you know, the soil actually holds more carbon than every green plant in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's twice as much carbon as all the okay. green plants in the world. So you move it, you turn it over, carbon is off to the atmosphere. Um, wow. So, you know, we could do a lot about uh, the carbon footprint by uh, ad- adopting these sorts of no-till or minimal till um, uh, farming techniques, mm. um, you know, and, and it would be more effective actually than planting trees. So this is the sort of crop science. It's not just about the the the, the plant, it's about, you know, the soil and how we look after it. So So what you alluded to then when you're walking in our fields where we've got, um, now we're growing spring crops and by that I mean we sow them in spring. So if you sow them in spring, five, six months later you harvest them in the autumn, you have this fallow uh, time or or time when there's nothing growing in in the ground. And you don't really want brown fields, you want green fields for carbon capture and so on. Mm -hmm. So we plan to cover crop which is made up of different types of plants, which collect carbon from the atmosphere, but they also add natural nitrogen, like clovers, to the soil. Mm. Um, and they, they're keeping naturally that, that soil healthy until we plant it again in the spring. So that is a move perhaps backwards to how they used to do it years and years and years ago, mm. uh, but actually is, is it exceptionally good for that soil soil health. Um, so, these are the sorts of things being field to bottle true field to bottle producers of whiskey we can do because that's the starting place for us is planting that seed and looking after the soil
2: gotcha
1: to 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 additionally frame here, given you going to crop science as as a younger man and now being here going through this journey what you know if we think about the rise of of artificial fertilizers and the yield that came from that and it made so much sense to farmers who since time began have, have had difficulty making ends meet it seemed like you know a promise of the future and yet we were wrecking the soil for the future what did your education look like then and what kind of journey did you take you know realizing we're we're putting the soil into the atmosphere
3: yeah I mean absolutely right. when I was there in eighty oh gosh five six you know at college, you know they were teaching us how to farm intensively, mm-hmm. um, you know heavy inputs of nitrogen artificial fertilizers uh, agrochemicals you know all sorts of things, and that was what we did in the '80s um, but the realization of of talking to Tom my business partner who who is actually the farmer, about how that was affecting um the soil and for future generations was really the starting place of us looking into how we could turn turn this round. Um, you know, a lot of this sort of artificial um, inputs, if you like, uh, came from again the fact that we were produ- we, we had um, factories making bombs, and and after we started to stop making bombs, we started making nitrogen fertilizers. Mm. Somebody put that onto the field and realised it increased yield. But mm-hmm. also what it does, it, it tends to make that uh, crop uh, more disease uh, susceptible because uh-huh. it's, it's almost forcing it to grow too quickly and too heavily. So then you've got to put more chemicals on. And it, it was one of these sort of, sort of compounding problems mm-hmm. that we, we, we saw and we thought there's got to be a, a different way. There's <laughs> got to be a different solution to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't, I mean, when we, when we changed the way we did it, uh, in fact, you know, without very low inputs and no, no uh, tilling, we did see a, a, quite a drop in yield. But as the as the soil um, health improved, that drop in yield reduced and reduced and reduced. And now we're in, mm. in, in year five, we're almost pretty much back to where we were
2: oh, without, wow. the, uh, wow, without, without the artificial
3: inputs, yeah? So <laughs> it, it, I suppose that was the realisation. I think you have to go through the learning curve of this is what we do. it's not quite right. how we're we going to find a different way of doing it, and, and that takes decades mm-hmm. <laughs> so in, 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 in our experience but but at least we're doing that now, and um, you know I think it's very positive that we're doing it not just for whiskey but also for farming in general and you know the planet
1: well, I'm trying to ask a careful follow-up question when we were uh, we kicked off. 2023 talking to Susanna Skiver-Barton and one of the things she had talked about expecting to hear more of in 2023 is distilleries talking more about the environment and and in a meaningful way, not just in a marketing shortcut where consumers roll the eyes and one of the things that we talked about was those of us who are for the environment which you, you would expect to be all of us, but it's not There's there's almost a politicalization there um, where we we sometimes tread lightly and you know traditionally farmers have been of, of a much more conservative bent and a conservative leaning and I'm curious as you're starting to tell this story of coming out of intensive farming yield going down but yield then going back up and promoting healthy soil are you getting some ears pointed in your direction? Like, what, what's the, again, my turn for the pun, what's the lay of the land in the UK right now around this type of farming?
3: Well, I think more people are turning to look at it. And the reason why is because um, farmers will grow um, the crop that is going to make them the most money. They're mm-hmm. business people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Uh, the problem with that is when it was artificially supported, so if there was a subsidy on a particular crop, they would grow that and they'd grow it intensively. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it tends to be government-led, but a lot of, in, certainly in the UK now, there's a lot of subsidies coming away from the crops you're growing. Um, and this allows you, perhaps, uh, there are more. there's more help in terms of turning the corner into uh, how to regenerate soil, how to regenerate the farm and how to look after things. Um, so the emphasis is shifting anyway, um, hmm. you know, uh, and, and that's great. But but as long as something is subsidised and artificially, then you'll always get a section of, of society and, and, and farming who will grow that hmm. uh, mm-hmm. crop purely because it makes them more money. Yep. Um, yep. But I think that, I think there's definitely a move in the states now as well. I mean, it's huge where where, where not just growing one crop, but growing many different crops and different varieties and, and um, having a mixed sort of farm is, is is going away from the intensive nature of growing. And I think, you know, there's, there's quite a few... Um, was it called Kiss the Ground or Kiss the Earth? Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, I
2: fantastic.
3: Yeah, yep. you need to watch that, Joshua. It was a fantastic um, um, documentary about how people are changing the way that the farm and how they think about the soil. Um, and it, yeah, it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, the the first one, so so I used to teach philosophy and I taught, you, I taught a food ethics course. And one of the first movies we would show in there is uh, My Father's Garden, which was uh, an educated college guy who'd left the family farm, gone off and done his thing. Returned to the farm and said look at our soil we're, we're trying to grow crops in concrete this is a disaster hmm. and he started a, a kind of a, an organic movement within his farm and started to get ears turning towards him as success was shown um, absolutely fantastic a polyface yeah. farm uh, which is very well known as well uh, is just down the road from me only about maybe 40 minutes from my house um, yeah. and they have got praxis in place so there are, you know, it's it's a big fight in the U.S. You know, the mm. the monoliths are are tens of billions of dollars of profit a yeah. year on monoculture, yeah. and it's it's hard to shake yeah. that. But yes. you know, there, there's a call yeah. from consumers over organic, um, I, and again, back to the point we we're making with Susanna, I, it, I think it's too easy for organic to be a shortcut, and an organic through the USDA here in the U.S doesn't necessarily mean what you think organic might mean it can be a percentage of organic or it can be yeah. field adjacent to organic you know it, yeah. it can mean many different things and the consumer is busy and doesn't have you know expendable income to waste <laughs> and and is being very careful judicious with their money so it's how do we educate how do we present it what role does the government play in that so mm, yeah I, I i love i love hearing you talking about this david <laughs>
3: I think, uh, going on, Josh, what you said also is um, the other thing we're getting within the industry is what I call greenwashing. So people 100%. saying mm. the right thing yeah, because it's yeah. the right thing to say. But yeah, when no. you look behind the scenes, you know, it doesn't actually hold a lot of a, a lot of water. And, uh, you know, we, we have in this country, everybody says, right, let, let's sponsor Plant a Tree um, campaign. For every bottle you buy, we're going to plant a tree. Now, mm. in its own right, that doesn't sound bad. But trees take hundreds of years to grow and actually <laughs> do the job that we are doing with the soil now. So there yeah. are yes it's a good thing but it's also there are better things and it's not just the answer and I think I think when I see that sort of thing on a website I'm thinking okay you really haven't looked into what else you can do guys. Yeah. That's a great greenwash it, it sounds great but behind the scenes is it really happening and, and, you know, what's going on here? So, yeah, sure. it, it, we've got to be careful because I think at the end of the day, everything helps, but sometimes mm-hmm. there are better things mm-hmm. that would help quicker. Yeah, I think the, the kids call that virtue signalling. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For once, you might actually be right about what the kids say. Hey! Um, I, I, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted
0: to go back really quickly... Uh, just to something that you had said, and and I promise we we will get to the wolds and and we will get to the (laughs) distillery and and the whiskey, which um, I'm going to pour a little bit once we do get to the whiskey. But you had said something that I just wanted a bit of clarification on. And you had talked about farming malting barley, which makes it sound sound as if there's also farming for Barley you don't malt, and so I wonder if you could talk about the the differences there and why there's a um, why you're uh, delineating the two.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, you're absolutely right that there are varieties that are recognised for their malting uh, qualities, mm. and um, they're recognised for the malting qualities through uh, the ease of uh, malting and malt yield, but also mm. the d- disease resistance and so on. But mm. The main thing for the molsters is is they get a product which is uniform and will malt um, successfully and produce the best quality malt you can. So we have probably a list of three or four varieties that suit our particular land type Mm. um, which the molsters will actively buy. There are feed varieties which are just grown purely to feed animals um, Mm. and uh, these varieties are definitely all about yield. They're not particularly about germination, which is really important part of making making malt. It's got to grow Mm -hmm. again. Um, So that fundamentally is a difference. Um, You also tend to get winter barley's grown, um, sorry feed barley's grown in the winter. So they're planted in the autumn, Hmm. they grow through the winter, and then they're they're harvested in 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 the normal sort of time in the summer. Whereas now we seem to be seeing a lot of spring sown malting barley. So Mm -hmm. again, when you plant them it's different as well
0: yeah that's it's interesting i think there was a a period of time and and jason correct me on the on the dates if i get them wrong but i but i feel as if sometime in the early aughts there were some distilleries that would highlight particular barley strains but then they would highlight summer barley winter (laughs) barley and from from a malting perspective are we looking at different varieties or are we looking at what the, what that growth season does to those varieties? How, how, yeah. how do those differ?
3: Yeah, when, winter varieties are grown, uh, obviously as I say, in, and sown in, in the, uh, the autumn, and they have to go through a period of very cold, uh, we call it vernalization, to make the seed germinate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, those varieties tend to be needing that cold period whereas the spring varieties have been uh, grown or bred specifically, not to need that requirement. So the advantage, I suppose, of winter sowing is you get a really quick establishment and then it sits there through winter and it's off in the spring, whereas you really do need to hit the ground running in the spring if you're you're planting in the spring. So um, it it depends on your soil type, it depends on where you are, but fundamentally uh, the varieties now we grow for malting our spring sown Um, and they've improved dramatically over the last sort of 10-15 years so so yes Mm it really depends what you're trying to create at the end i suppose
1: Mm, okay so the other evolution that we've lived through is many distillers talking about yield and and liters of of alcohol from what a, a ton of grain um, yeah. and, and somewhere around, you know, 400 litres of alcohol being a kind of a good number. If you got 410, you were up. If you were 390, you were down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And on you, jolly well win. Uh, you know, we've also heard, um, and, and, and through that it was yield driven. And, and as some distillers have evolved, we've heard about, well, flavours, but it's so interesting, you know, we occasionally lead whiskey geek tours of Scotland, and you take a geek to a distillery, they want to talk about barley, they want to talk about flavor. And invariably, the response would be, oh no, it it's just yield, it's just a raw ingredient that provides sugar that we then ferment. Um, did you ever believe that? Um, <laughs> your experience of that, in helping people grow malting barley, yeah. was it just yield driven or, or were some people asking about flavour?
3: Um, nobody asks about flavour. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> no, uh. I mean, if you're if in the farmer's boots, he's interested in growing a heavy crop to send mm. to, the malting factory. Mm. But that's no good if it doesn't malt. So you have mm-hmm. to hit certain parameters other than just yield. Mm. You have to hit parameters of, of nitrogen content, the high nitrogen content barleys. If you've got more nitrogen, you've got less sugar. So you need as much mm-hmm. sugar in that barley as possible to make as much malt as possible, to make mm-hmm. as much alcohol as possible. So you have to be able to uh, grow low nitrogen barleys um, and then you'd get a premium and the, the, the malts would pay you a premium in terms of flavour, varieties of barley have never ever been grown for flavour. Lots of other things yield, disease resistance how tall they are, how resistant they are to drought, all Mm. these sorts of things, Mm -hmm. but never ever flavour and um, there is obviously this dare I say terroir movement in in barley and in in our experience, the terroir um, I understand with wine because you've got a plant in the ground for hundreds of years and it's 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 sort of part of that ground. Barley's in the ground for five months. Now, Mm. how much flavour or terroir is going to have an influence on flavour? It'll have an influence on yield and quality, but flavour is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about barley, it goes through harvest, it goes through drying, it goes through being wet, it goes through growing, malting, roasting, mashing, fermenting, distilling, putting into a cask. All of those other things have got massive influence on flavor, but not the sort of seed that comes out of the ground, in our view. So mm-hmm. we, we take a slightly different view of life on that one. Yeah. Um, but that comes from years and years of growing malting barley on the farm. So, you know, <laughs> you can take it or leave it. <laughs> but no, I, I think flavor's choice driven. It's, it's your process driven, it's how you process. We're not all about yield of, of, of LPA, liters mm-hmm. of pure alcohol. We're about making sure that that, that spirit has, has wholesome flavour. The flavour style that we want from our, our distillery, which is light, fruity, ester sort
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, so choice of yeast varieties, and all of these sorts of things go into how you make a flavoursome whisky, yeah. not, not how you grow your barley.
1: Do you, do you allow that it might have more influence with beer, or do you think the same holds true with, with beer production?
3: And I'm I think, asking a proud Yorkshireman about that, beer. That's a great, a, great, a really great <laughs> question, because everybody's "Oh, this Marisotter uh, beer, and it has a s- distinct flavour. Mm. And actually, I think you, you're probably right. You'll probably be able to tell a different sort of flavour from the beer, because it's gone through less process. You know, you haven't gone through um, uh, the same sorts of process you go through with whiskey. So I, th- I think to an, an element, yes, you, you're going to pick up some sort of nuances from the variety. Yeah. But, um, but that also could be influenced by the way that they distill, uh, sorry, distill, uh, mash and <laughs> how they grind the, the grist like... and all sorts of things. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a, a difficult one. There's no one answer. There's no one yeah, right correct. answer. That's, that's the thing. Yeah.
1: Well, and it is interesting talking to you know historical brewers and how many talk about the water and really the yeah. water was yeah, the foundational sure. component yep. to their brew and yeah. how that created regionality in brewing yes. styles. Yeah, and and yeah. one of the things, Joshua and I have kind of you know discussed this <clears throat> at, at length on the podcast and off is this this terroir, right? And I and I, I like the way you you couched it, but <laughs> you know I I, I think. I think Dave Broom in in a sense of place, kind of plays with what Josh and I have talked about on the podcast, which is you can talk about a sense of place. You can talk about a physical distillery. You can talk about physical stills. You can talk about process that happens at that place. And if you were able to lift up whole cloth, that distillery, and take it to another part of the world, we don't think you would replicate that distilled spirit Mm in that part of the world I'd so agree. so there might be something to say about place but i think it is multifaceted and i think terroir might lead us to a conclusion that we're not trying to make or it might sound like an argument that we're not trying to make but i think we are trying to communicate place and process do you think i that sounds totally fair? Agree
3: totally agree and the people involved you know that the people mm. are so so important as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. place is, is is everything that goes into the growing the mashing everything all the way through the process and the people involved and, and obviously the climate or you know in terms of maturation massively important so mm-hmm. yeah there are so many elements of of what makes Filey Bay Filey Bay or any other whiskey you know uh, in uh, so I think you're absolutely right you know a sense of place is so important yeah but, it's, but it shouldn't be all about one thing. <laughs> right? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. W-
0: which I think brings us perfectly to... W- one of the things I love about the Filey Bay bottles is it doesn't say single malt English whiskey. In fact, English isn't even on there. It's Yorkshire,
2: which, which really is a sense of place in... in it. <laughs>
0: and you had talked um er, earlier in the conversation about how the wolds where where you're farming are just such a great place for growing barley and they make for your great beers which i'd love to talk about a little bit and then of course your your final product the whiskeys. so can you talk about the wolds and, and where you are where the farm is where the distillery and brewery are
3: yeah sure um So it's it's a fourth generation barley farm on the wolds. The wolds, for people who don't know, are lovely chalk rolling hills. Mm. And they they tend to be on the the east coast of of England, stretching from Yorkshire. They're also down into Lincolnshire, so there are some Lincolnshire wolds as well. And actually they end up somewhere out in the Cotswolds. So, um, Mm. you know, these sorts of areas, Lincolnshire, Yorkshire, the Cotswolds, have some of the best malting barley land. By the fact that that, that soil and and, and is, is relatively um, unfertile, it's not particularly fertile land. Um, and no. uh, going back to what I said about you want to grow a barley that doesn't have a lot of nitrogen. If you try and grow barley on really fertile land, you will end up with a load of nitrogen. Um, no. Therefore, less malt, less yield, and actually it won't go for malting anyway. So <laughs> so. We're coming back to place, you know, and terroir. Our terroir, in terms of the soil type, is absolutely perfect for growing low nitrogen, quality malting barley. Hence the fact there are several malting factories around us um, because they're gonna be close to where the majority of the malting barley is grown. Mm. So so the place, if you like, I mean, we, we over the sort of four generations, if you like, have, have sent our malting barley up to Scotland to make their whiskey. Um, which, so that, that was one of the sort of decision processes when we, we first made the beer and the whiskey was, why are we doing this? You know, we've got the water on the farm from a borehole. We've got the best malting barley probably in the UK, you know, and mm. uh, we should be keeping it and be proud of keeping it and, and, and make our own whiskey. And that's how Spirit of Yorkshire started and, and Filey Bay started.
0: Hmm. But, but the brewery came first, correct? Correct, w- yes. Was it? did the brewery start with the distillery in mind or was it or had you had not had you not had that thought in your mind when building the brewery
3: yeah well the the brewery came about because tom um was sitting on his his world farm not making a great deal of money out of traditionally growing the crops he was growing Mm -hmm. um so just bear with me there's a (laughs) phone ringing somewhere um (laughs) gonna pick that one out, it's gonna think so yeah um so he um he said well what do i got what do i got on this farm where i could add value i've got my malting barley i've got my water so mm-hmm. that the logical step at that stage was beer um mm-hmm. it was at the time when people were going into holiday cottages or making cheese out of the dairy dairy herd mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. were doing different things to try and supplement their income mm-hmm. and for tom it was just you know, we've got two of the main ingredients. Uh, all we now need is, is, is yeast and the know-how. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, Walt Top was born and, and a very small sort of brewery uh, as they all start. And it grew and grew and grew to a point where um, they had to, I think they doubled in size three times wow. um, just to keep up with demand. Uh, they also put a bottling line in, which was quite unusual at that time because it was quite a big investment. So you are in, bringing other people's beer in to use the facilities to bottle. So mm-hmm. so that business, if you like, started the process of using those raw materials on the farm. The next logical step was, was what else can we do? We've got mm-hmm. beer, and the first starting place for making whiskey is beer. <laughs> um, obviously, slightly different. You don't put mm-hmm. hops in it and so on. But mm-hmm. but we have the infrastructure, if you like, to make a, a fantastic wash. So it seemed to us... Sensible to look at the process, but we didn't know how to do it. So that's when Jim Swan got involved with us and and gave us his uh, nuggets of wisdom to get us going in the right direction with the whiskey.
0: Interestingly enough, Jim Swan, working with you, he had a a bit more freedom in working with you than he did with, say, Scottish distilleries who who have to produce in a very specific way. Your setup, your, your distillation setup, I think that's, and and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as processes for creating whiskey are concerned, it's when your distillation starts, that's when things get a bit different compared to Scottish production. So I wonder if you could could talk about your production and Mm. why Jim came up with this style of production, whether it came from him or it came from input from you and your team as well.
3: Yeah, well, it's an interesting conversation because um, if you look at what Jim's done, he has obviously worked with quite a few Scottish distilleries, but he's also very well known for working outside of Scotland. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Cavalan, for example, um, you know, completely different animal. Um, you know, he worked with the Cotswolds, he's worked with us, he's worked with um, Nick Neen which is which is an up and coming sure. um, um, uh, organic uh, producer. So mm-hmm. he, he was al- he was always. He was the sort of guy who would come and say "This is how you make whiskey, but I'm quite open to suggestions and and, and different oh. ideas and I'm willing okay. to try so the reason and the back the reason why we asked him the question about I think you're alluding to the fact we've got a, a four plate rectifying column as well as our traditional pot stills yeah yep. we 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 originally put that in because we didn't want to make chin um, because <laughs> whiskey Mm. distillation will not make a neutral grain spirit so it won't make a 96% ethanol product where all gin starts and if we are going to be filled to bottle producers the last thing we were going to do was buy NGS in Mm -hmm. so but what we did want to do was try and sell a slightly less mature product before it became whiskey Mm. Um, to do that you need the stills to work harder to take out the the sort of elements of of harshness that maybe the cask would do in its first few years. Mm -hmm. So that was the template, that's what we said to Jim. Is it possible to be able to make a, almost like a halfway between um, uh, a a typical uh, 74% um, uh, new make and 96% neutral grain? Mm. Um, And he said, well, I don't know, we'll try it. (laughs) If you put more copper contact in there, it's gonna definitely have an effect, but I don't know what effect. (laughs) <laughs> but he was a sort of guy who took that on as a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, let's see what we can do. And actually our hands weren't tight, Joshua, as you rightly say, by the fact we're not in Scotland. So the SWA, yeah. you know, we, we want to we respect that tradition of how to make it, but we also want to just twist it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's how it came about. And so we do indeed have this four plate rectifying column, which actually gives our Filey Bay character that, that light, fruity, uh, distiller, we, we didn't actually sell any white spirit after doing all of that. <laughs> we we, 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 we realised that actually it was just doing something really fantastic in its own right with, with yeah. the maturation, uh, and and perhaps in uh, year three we were probably further ahead because of that. But mm. it still had to be it had to be good before we sold it. It had to be the right uh, gone through its, its natural uh, process before we actually sold it. So so we put it in for the, all the best reasons. But actually, it turned out to be completely different, and we we kept we we, we kept beyond the three years um, uh, until it was whiskey proper um, mm-hmm. before we sold it, and uh, yeah. So that's how it happened. Really, it was a bit okay. a bit by chance, but also by the fact we wanted to experiment a little bit.
0: But you're running. I see. I see. Jason's he has a question percolating, but <laughs> l- let me ask one question before you before you get there. You're running two different kinds of spirit, right? Because you, you're not constantly running that four plate still. You're doing pot still, double pot, and then a proportion of that. Can you, can you talk about the percentages of the two sure. different spirit styles and, and how that comes together?
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's very straightforward. We, we run the two pots, traditional Forsyth pot stills, for six months of the year. And this makes the more traditional, sort of more oily distillate uh, mm-hmm. or new make. We, we cask that and it goes away into the store and is, is separate. We then turn on the rectifying column, which so you're still using your two pots, uh, but out of the spirit, still it just goes through a little bit more extra copper, four plate column, which gives a lighter, lighter fruitier sort of distillate. Uh, that's cast and is separate. And what that does then is gives us choice so in the warehouse we don't have just have choice of cask or or age we have choice of style and we can bring those back in different proportions depending Mm. on what we're trying to create so for example flagship tends to be 50 50 pot and column Mm. um, and it gives you that light fruity sort of element something that doesn't have a great deal of cask influence Mm -hmm. whereas if we go to a heavy cask we tend to use more pot based uh new ah, make interesting so okay. it just gives us options it gives us choice of, of which way we go with that with that sort of uh which is quite unusual there's there's not many people who have that type of yeah. division in the, in the warehouse and did
0: i'm sorry jason and did, did that <laughs> <laughs> he's not sorry not really. um, <laughs> did that direction come from jim swan or did that come from you? because in the end i think you're talking a bit about <clears throat> blending and, and you know conscious decisions of where what cast to put that spirit in was that a Jim Swan thing or did that come from an outside um, from someone else
3: it, it, it was sort of a Jim Swan thing, but you must bear in mind that Jim was here for our first two distillations before we lost him so through, oh. through the process of hmm. build... Uh, fermentation, getting the cask policy correct, getting the maturation mm. policy correct. But these were policies, you know, he, was no, mm. he wasn't he was there long enough to sort of say, guys, you need to be doing this, this and this after you've <laughs> distilled. Mm. Um, so really what happened was, I suppose, one thing, I, I've got a black book full of Jim's comments and his advice, Because when Jim opened his mouth, the amount of information that came out, you could only capture sort of 15% of it. It He's an incredible bloke. But the important thing was that he he said to me was that get your balance of casks right. So for him, if you're going down the finishing route, which we can talk about what we mean by finishing, but um, if you're going down that route, then the biggest portion of your casks need to be bourbon, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to finish in a second cask, which we have. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, sort of 15 to 20% of our casks are, are, are first fill uh, sherry or, or uh, port or, or the other casks as well. So we do have mm-hmm. that as well, but the majority is, is first fill bourbon, which lends itself more to the lighter spirit. So, mm-hmm, you know, sure. it, mm-hmm. it, it seemed to almost organically develop through mm. the knowledge of GM and My little Book and, and, and trial and error, really.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Jason? I will step back now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So two of my questions have been answered along the way, which was, was, in one hand, I was trying to get the column still straight in my mind, whether it was standalone, whether it was on a pot, uh, a la our friends up at Catoctin Creek here who have a pot with a column on top of it. So it's standalone. Yeah. Question was light spirit looking to get it out a bit younger. What kind of cask were you finding? Work there? Fresh bourbon we're now learning there. So given that I haven't been to the distillery, I, I feel like I'm I'm kind of more in line with our listeners here, where I'm I'm gonna ask the geeky question, um, which is what kind of dimensions are we talking on your pot still's heights? What kind of height are we talking on your column still? and then I've got a follow-up to that.
3: Okay, so the, the wash still is um, 10,000 liters, so that, that's all based around a tonne, mash, mash tonne. Yep. Um, so a tonne of barley, if you like. Um, so that, that produces around about um, two and a half to two eight thousand liters of, of um, low wines. Uh, mm-hmm. That goes into a 3,500 liter spirit still. Mm. These are four-size stills, they're very traditional shape, um, we were very lucky to get them because <laughs> the waiting list for four size stills is just ridiculous. But we, we always knew that they were the, the sort of, if you like, the, the Rolls Royce of stills and the ones sure. that we really, really wanted. Right. So, um, in terms of uh, height, not particularly tall because the building we're in isn't particularly tall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the line arm is, is, is tends to be a traditional sort of, I suppose, a 15 degree sort of downward angle. Mm, which okay. again is is lending to a more of a lighter more refluxy type types of angle um so that if you like is is a picture you would have in your head if you're looking at, at spirit of yorkshire and then you'd have this sort of four plate rectifying column which does stand on its own but is linked to the line arm of the spirit still which mm-hmm. has got a valve in it so we can just divert. So it doesn't go into the condenser; it goes through the four plate rectifying column. And if, if spirit is working harder, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more ABV. It's going to be lighter. It's going to, to have to, to work to get through that copper, and then it goes into the condenser. So. Um, so really, yeah, it's very traditional in terms. of If you looked at it, and then you'd out of the corner of your eye, you'd see this the four plate rectifying column, and you go, <laughs> "What the hell's that?" <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's it, it, it's fun because it, it just gives us those those uh, options. And actually, when I walk into the, the still house on the morning, and I don't know we swapped over, I can tell by the smell,
2: mm-hmm. I
3: can tell by the aroma that we've run column, and it, it, it is it is incredibly uh, noticeable the difference. Oh.
1: Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. What? Now I see Josh. Joshua, hold, well, hold your tongue. Keep... Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Okay. Hold your tongue. All right. Hold All your right. tongue. Right. Oh, this is great <laughs> role reversal in today's episode. I love it. Um, so, one of the things in, in listening to you, I, I keep hearing the word options. And it, it seems like you have, you're really able to pivot in a number of different directions. And so, in, in bringing everything together, a multiplicity of grains. Grains that are good for the soil, grains that might make some good whiskey. We're hearing rumblings of it in Scotland, and I'm curious for you, is rye on the horizon? Is that... Because it makes so much sense for everything... You've talked, oh, three puns, boom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is, you know, is that, is that something that, that you're, you're part of? Because it makes so much sense for everything you're trying to achieve.
3: Just to say to all your listeners, we haven't been talking behind the scenes about this at all, have we?
1: No, no, no. no, no, no I've never met this man in my life okay. before, as they say on stage.
3: Three years ago, we grew a crop of rye.
1: <laughs> oh, okay that makes sense that's perfect and, for what you're
3: doing uh, absolutely and um you know traditionally rye will be grown in this area you know way back mm. so the actual varieties of, of rye are very very um hardy they're quite mm-hmm. relatively mm-hmm. easy to grow um horrible to distill mm-hmm. and <laughs> mash mm-hmm. <laughs> but um we, we if we're going to do it we're going to do it from our own grain obviously so uh, and also we're, we're not going to use artificial enzyme so we were always going to have a 51% rye, 49% malting barley uh, mash bill. Um, ah. Even then it was a challenge. The problem mm. with rye, um, when, you, when you're actually mashing it, it effectively has no enzymes in it. And the enzymes mm-hmm. are the thing that mm-hmm. makes it liquid. Mm. So you, you're going to set like porridge. Um, mm-hmm. So if it's 100% rye with no artificial enzymes, it's just going to set in your mash, your mash tank like porridge. You'd get no extract, you'd get no um, worts coming off, you'd get no fermentation, you'd get no whiskey. Um, so for us, using traditional types of mash ton, um, which is a flat bottom, you're going to get this sort of um, setting process happening, mm. unless you've got a large proportion of mal- malting barley. Um, even after saying that the, 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 the drawdown of the liquid is incredibly slow quite mm. difficult, uh, it takes a long, long time. Mm. We got there in the end, um, <laughs> but it's a hell of a challenge. <laughs> uh, what what you tend to find is people use what they call uh, mash presses, which, which basically is a big filter, and they just shove it through the filter and they get the works mm. off that way. That's the way round. You, t- t- mm. Traditionally, you wouldn't tend to use a, a mash tun with a flat mm-hmm. bottom because it just sets. So there's little things you can do, like you can put uh, rice husks with the with the... With the um mm. the mash bill to, to keep it more sort of open and more fluid um yeah. but all of this is a massive learning curve you know yeah. mm-hmm. um but anyway at the end of the day we have um brand new virgin oat casks which Ooh. really is what what the way you Pinch. go with with rye filled with our rye distillate and that's mm. going to be a super exciting release probably in the next couple of years
1: okay um. wow that's Wow. That's that's so cool. Could you could you repeat the mash bill again? Because as soon as you talked about the enzymes, I started
3: thinking about amylase. And yeah.
1: I, yeah. is is amylase the only go to, or is, is amylase just the one that that distillers have, have uh, tend to use?
3: No, it tends to be the go to one. Okay. Um, but obviously, that's naturally in in, in malting barley. So that, that's exactly. the, the beauty the beauty of of using a mash bill that's fifty one rye, so you can actually call it rye, forty nine malting barley. Perfect.
0: Thank you for for those including myself that don't necessarily know what amylase are can you can you go into that a little further
3: yeah i mean they're they're enzymes enzymes are there to chop up sort of the 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 long chain sort of carbohydrates if you like Uh, the stuff that makes it gloopy and if you don't have those those enzymes it's not going to make it fluid yeah um so yeah it's like boiling porridge it's just going to set uh, unless you've got something that's going to chop them up and and uh, that's basic science <laughs> but but that that's the way these enzymes work now in, in if you're making 100 percent rye you have to have an artificial version of those enzymes if you're not using barley mm. um and and in in the states you can actually use use a you know, liquid enzyme
1: yeah okay. yeah the the percentage i'd heard was if to make a rye if you didn't want to use the artificial Uh, enzyme was 10% malted barley and so it's interesting listening to you talking about well there's this journey you can go on with your percentage and you'll see different results as you increase that so to get to 49 uh, makes sense I I like the 51 being the rye
3: yeah yeah absolutely and some of the rye was malted as well which is quite interesting its own rye uh, (laughs) so some was unmalted some was malted yeah so so, he, so here's a
1: here's a follow up question on behalf of Joshua. So, <laughs> so so Joshua is not doesn't tend to be a fan of spirit from malted rye. He and he likes the unmalted rye. Would there potentially be a reason for that? Is there is there something happening? to or with malted rye is it a change in in distillation process to get there C- can you make any sense of the vagaries of joshua hatton and if you can't that's
3: totally understandable hey, i've been trying for a dozen
1: years yeah i I've on this know? a dozen years my um, friend you know you've got two minutes
3: this is probably an answer i don't have for you my friend because <laughs> we're waiting we're, we're waiting to see what the out, outcome of our of our rye is going to be um, okay. <laughs> but but basically what you do when you're malting you you are uh, changing long chain sugars into short chain sugar, sugars which are more mm-hmm. ferment, fermentable so mm-hmm. you're going to mm-hmm. um get more alcohol out of the fact it's been malted basically um and also flor- flavor sense. so how you malt whether it's a heavy malt and it yeah. and it's roasting it or not so for example our our malting barley we 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 predominantly use pale malt which is very lightly uh, heated at the end of the process mm. whereas with be- some beers like stout you get chocolate malt, which is heavily mm-hmm. roasted sure. and mm-hmm. all these things add flavors as well So mm-hmm. it's not just the type of grain. It's the way it's been malted. It's very important
2: hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that's how it's strange for me that the malted rye isn't isn't sitting with with Joshua since it sounds like it would bring in more flavor and more alcohol it, if you were just designing this in a spreadsheet, it would yeah. It would make I th- sense. I
3: think, I think what you, if, if it's 100% malted rye, I'd agree with Joshua. I think it would be overpowering. Thank and you. I think it, yes. it, it, yeah. Whereas if you've got your mixture of barley and, and, and rye, it tends to be less overpowering and softer. Mm. And I think that's mm-hmm. the challenge with rye anyway. It tends to be either really earthy and spicy, yep. or it can be softer and fruitier. And I think that's the way we're going. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and, that, and that's what I found with my own palate. There's... Um, there's 100% malted rye that's here in the US. That, that the, the flavor profile just simply does not work for my palate. There's mm. whatever that flavor is, there's far too much of it, and, mm. and I don't like it. But we. Is that the huddlings? It's the huddlings, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I have no issue naming it because I like it and you don't, yeah, and it's no, not okay. your palate, you and it is my palate. I've never, we're never not, had it, so I'm okay. Okay, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're not. So,
0: so you're Switzerland right now. Um, <laughs> But, but last year we did a collaboration with Backwoods Distilling out of uh, Yakandanda, Australia. And, and that was a rye whiskey that had a proportion of malted rye. And, in, and there was a bit of chocolate malt going on in there. Like Which it, ours is, yeah. Yeah. And, and I really, really enjoyed it because that flavor component became a part and parcel of a mm-hmm. larger picture. And so that's where I'm discovering I'm really enjoying malted rye when it's a when it's a smaller proportion of the overall flavor yeah. profile. Then it doesn't I think
3: overtake, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah, overtake everything else. Yeah. It starts
1: to
0: shine, yeah. it could sort of uh, yeah. boost <clears throat> other flavors, so...
1: Yeah, in a previous episode, we did a blind tasting of a Polish rye, uh, okay. and a, a malted rye at that, and it it wasn't working for a host of reasons no. uh, I, I don't think the malting was necessarily mm. the issue but.
3: Mm. yeah i think i think it's a case of balance that's the word you need to use you need to balance what you're doing mm. if it's all one way like malted rye 100% will be then it'll only tick a box for a very small number of people
1: mhm mhm that's great that you're growing and, and distilling the rye though that's yeah. that's lovely yeah. Yeah, really yeah, i love that <laughs> can, can i ask when i think of
0: distilleries single malt distilleries outside of scotland i often think of some of the potential difficulties that they could have right if you if you look at um the 140 whatever plus distilleries in scotland that are producing malt they have the luxury of of a system in place that allows them to put malt in different places whether it's independent bottlers or blenders or, or what have you. Um, in England, you don't really have that. There really isn't an English blend. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in Israel, you don't have that. In Taiwan, you don't have that. And so, and so I wonder, do you, do you find that as a potential problem? Or, or do you think England will come up with its own... Sort of system the way the Scots do, you know. You see distilleries popping up all over the place in Ireland. Is there another boom like that happening in England, where there could be a system created to to put your spirit in in many places if ever need be?
3: Is that even a consideration? Oh, I th- I, probably not. Although there are, there is the English Whiskey Guild who are mm. uh, set up and were part of who are trying to, uh, this is more quality-led, so we're trying to put the basic principles in place of what the SWA have done for, for, mm. for, for, for Scotch. So this is what English is, you know, ah, and a okay. three-year maturation and so on, and, and wood and oak and what have you. So all of these sorts of things have been put in place as we speak. Uh, that's gone to DEFRA, which is the, the government body who, who monitor all this. And if that gets signed off, we will have our own sort of, if you like, template of how you make whisky ah, and call it beauty. English okay Not a single malt and call it english um, I, I think historically the 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 whiskey market was obviously all um blended and yeah. and it was a huge independent bottling um sort of market out there and that's what you did you 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 flew under the the radar you just produced your bulk liquid and you sent it off um obviously as as we went through the 78s and 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 people trying to work out how how to sort of revive these sort of um, the problems the industry was going through, that's when the single malt thing came about, really. So why, mm. why are we sending this away? Why don't we market ourselves? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So for us, I would say that would probably be going backwards um, okay. because we've, we've, we've created our own identity, our own style, our own flavour profile, mm. um, and <clears throat> that is what Filey Bay is all about. Yeah. After saying that, then independent bottlers, we have sold... Cast to independent bottlers, uh, mm-hmm. albeit um, obviously, I think we'll, in one of them actually will be the first English bottling they've ever done. So okay. we're breaking new ground in that way, and, and I think we've, we've sold um, uh, a couple to a couple of different independent bottlers who are very well known, um, which is super exciting for us because mm-hmm. that gives us also credibility. The fact that mm-hmm. these guys have chosen to bottle our spirit. Uh, is, is, in, is like a feather in the cap for us. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we'll ever go, and that'll be a massive market for us, but I think it's a really important sort of tick in the box that actually, yes, English whiskey is now being seen as something that is worthy of mm. um, uh, uh, old, traditional, independent bottlers wanting to get involved with.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. You know, and, and everybody has a different view You know, you you talk to Anthony Wills at Kilhoman, and he says, nope, it's all for us. We're not giving it to independent bottlers. Uh, Meanwhile, we did do one Kilhoman 11 11 years ago. Um, (laughs) But I'm not counting. Um, We
1: got him on a good day.
0: Yeah, you must have done. But I like that. I like that, uh, that approach of, you know, an independent bottler, especially when when you're working with them in collaboration can be a nice little marketing arm for your brand and and confirmation that it's something that you should be looking for.
3: Yeah, I'm Uh, proud of, you know, proud proud that they've selected some of our our whiskey to put into their bottle and their brand. And, And, you know, that for me is, I suppose a slap on the back, you know, saying, guys, you're making good spirit and we're pleased to put in our bottle. So, yeah, it makes sense to me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, beauty
0: Hopefully we can give you a slap on the back sometime In the, in the not too distant future
3: Well, let's, let's see what happens eh?
1: <laughs> well, well, uh, we've, we've, we've come this far And, and, and time is obviously ticking and, and, and you're a busy chap But, you know, we'd, we'd be remiss if, we'd, if we didn't frame At the very least for our listener What should they be looking for? you know, from Filey Bay, from Spirit of Yorkshire, what, what have you put out into the world? Before we all hit record, we were talking about world travels. So, you know, it's, it's out there. Um, what, what, should, what should our listeners be looking for around the world?
3: Um, so I, th- I think with Filey Bay, the brand is Filey Bay. The reason it's called Filey Bay is because of the bay that, that sort of we're sitting on. This facility is about here. Well, it's exactly there. So mm-hmm. this is the bay. This is Filey Bay. Um, we felt that uh, we wanted to call the whisky after the area we're, we're from and, and where we farm, mm. hence the, the name Fire Bay. So physically, you're looking for a brand called Fire Bay. In terms of the actual product itself, you're looking for something that's really accessible to a lot of people. What we didn't want to do is make a whisky that only a very uh, few um, w- would appreciate. So mm. Flagship, for example, is is... Pretty much hundred percent bourbon matured, first fill bourbon matured, and that is the DNA of our distillery. It's very mm. light, it's fruity, it's flavour led, it's it's, it's spirit led. It's not cask led. And I think a lot of young distilleries mm. tend to make the mistake of overpowering their their their, their uh, spirit with a very heavy cask with their first few releases. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What we wanted to do was was say this is us. You know, this is us. You can taste the spirit. You can you can taste what what the DNA is, um, and I think that's what you get f- from Filey Bay, particularly the flagship. Yeah. Um, after that, we do a lot of finishing. So we take that base flagship um, uh, bourbon uh, matured spirit, three, four, five years, and then put it into a second cask, which gives us our range of finishes. So our core range would be. Uh, STR, which is a, the, the Jim Swan shaved Toast and re Rioja casks. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, use a muscatel cask, which is quite unusual, mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. sweet, mm-hmm. Yeah, quite nice. fruity. Um, but also we have our little quirks, because of the brewing side, we also have a lot of beer. So we do a lot of um, beer-aged, um, uh, 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 cask-aged beer. Mm-hmm. And we also then refill those casks to do beer-finished whiskey. So we've got mm-hmm. an IPA... Uh, release, finished, that we released uh, a couple of years ago, hmm. super successful, one of probably one of the, b- the best <laughs> products we've made, um, and we've got other beers that we're using uh, at the moment, and we're maturing at the moment, which, which I won't divulge at this time until we're ready to go, mm-hmm. but that is the collaboration with our brewing side and our beers and our whiskey finishing is super special to us, so again, that, that sort mm. of opens a few doors to other people that, that perhaps uh, haven't heard of us before. Sure. Um, on top of that, we've got all the sort of lovely sort of single casks and special releases, so ones that may be made of three or four different types of casks. So we do, we do a Yorkshire Day every year, which is our uh, summer release, which is predominantly sherry based. So mm. there's, lo- mm-hmm. there's lots going on, but, but if you want to sum it up, I would say accessible whisky for most people who most people would enjoy, so something light, fruity, easy going, soft, um, certainly beyond its beyond its uh, years.
1: And um, a minimum strength with with any of them. Do the different lines have different strengths? So pretty much we're
3: forty six because we don't want to chill filter. We, we we don't add any color. Um, so forty six is the base uh, base strength. The special releases tend to be in the fifty fives, um, and then obviously the single casts or whatever they are when they come out of the single nice. cast. So nice. um, so that's that that's, we, we don't tend to get too complicated with with, with strength. Mm-hmm. We just know what our spirit uh, uh, performs at a certain, you know, 46, it tends to be spot on. Funnily enough, <laughs> uh, in America, we have done 48 uh, was for just the American market, that, yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Which, which is a nice little twist for, for the American market. And that was on the back of talking to, to Joshua and, and, and Sam, um, just just because we felt it just carried itself a little bit better in the state oh, state's fine. market at that level. So oh, yeah, we do a, spe- a special for those guys. <laughs>
2: It, it well done, makes
0: it, it makes such such a difference. It, it just it makes everything pop a little bit yeah. more, and there's, <clears> there's yeah. something I think in the consumer's mind as well. They see that slightly different ABV, and it's, oh, yeah. right,
3: what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's worked. You know, I mean, the guys um, over there have done a great job, but but that is part of it. You know, it's part of making it special for the market mm. you're in and uh, mm-hmm. we we can only take advice from you guys you've been in the market long enough but 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 it works it works really well uh, in the states at that level brilliant so
0: all right so so now we have a lay of the land of man from from you to barley to brewing to <laughs> distilling and maturation to what your line looks like what does 2023 and the next few years look like what what has you Besides rye, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what has you excited going forward?
3: I think what makes me excited, I mean, the, the beauty of whiskies, you know, the older it gets, the, the softer the, the, it gets. And mm. we're seeing some absolutely superb casks now. And actually, I think one of the measurements of that is if you can pick a bourbon cask, a first fill bourbon cask, which you're happy to bottle as a single cask, Yeah, I think it, it, it shouts so much about your spirit because you know there's nowhere to hide with a bourbon cask um and we we have some absolutely cracking uh single cask releases that we're going to do pure pure bourbon um uh, matured so that that's quite exciting um i think also that we quite like the idea of looking for casks that are away from the norm and we've got Mm -hmm. a few things that we're working on at the moment um, which are quite exciting we'll also build on our core range so obviously the str and the muscatel and the the flagship are underpinning everything else you know Mm -hmm. if they're not right everything else isn't going to be right so that's exciting um and then you know picking little market gems so little single casts that 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 just tick the box for a particular market you know we're, we're always trying to we're always trying to look for something that's very exciting in the warehouse and, and mm-hmm. josh you've been there and, and mm-hmm. sometimes you get an absolute gem and that's the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning <laughs> is finding these <laughs> finding, finding these gems and, and then saying, right well that's great for that market and and so on so yeah it's it's expanding incredibly quickly i think the challenges are still there you know you you, you can grow too quick and you can you can end up trying to bottle stuff that you shouldn't be bottling. Yes. And I think we've yeah. got examples of that happening in the in the, in the English market at the moment. Mm. You know, I think mm. people are running way too quick and they're just supplying this this hungry demand and I think that'll be the detriment of quality and I think mm. for us we're more organic with it. We're trying to just work away slowly you know we, we, we haven't we haven't got any outside investment in the business it's just us so we have to work mm-hmm. slower um, mm-hmm. but actually I think that's the right thing for whiskey anyway I think I think you know you, you, once you get the, these other financial pressures on you you tend to you, you know your product tends to uh, potentially lose its yeah. quality or, or its or its direction let's say
0: yeah when you're you're focusing more on your shareholders than you are on the product going into the bottle
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, And, and, you know, that's not us. That is definitely not us. So, so we might not grow as quickly as some of the other English uh, distilleries, but that's by choice. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant.
1: There's there's nothing wrong with being known for quality.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I hope not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This, This, this has been so special, David, so incredibly special. Uh, when Joshua was pitching you as a guest, and he'd said, "You know, this is going to be a fascinating hour," and <laughs> it has been a fascinating hour. So, thanks a million. I'm really excited for future conversations to see where 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 you go, where the brand goes, um, and happy. Uh, advanced birthday for later in the year for that big number uh, if I don't <laughs> like, see you before
3: thank you very much, it's been an absolute pleasure guys, it's great getting involved with these sorts of things, there's, there's one thing that distillers and, and, and owners of, of distillers like this love and it's talking about it, so you know you make it very easy, so, so thank you very much guys, oh, cheers awesome. pleasure, until
1: next time David
3: indeed
0: huge thanks to David Thompson for taking the time to talk with us. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've spoken with him a few times on some of the, you know, the Impex distillery deep dives that we've done, and we've had Jenny Meller, hopefully I pronounced her name <laughs> correct there, um, as well, and, and, you know, she has, uh, she's a wealth of knowledge as well when it comes to, to barley and agriculture, and it was, but it was nice to have this one-on-one with, with David. And what's nice now is, Jason, yes, af- sir. after hearing about barley, after hearing about the barley they grow, that they turn into a beer to then be distilled into whiskey, <laughs> to then go into 1st fill bourbon casks, mm. I've, I've poured for us the, the Filey Bay flagship.
1: Which is delicious. yeah. My comment to you while we were listening back to David's interview, my my one-word comment was soft. Yeah. And I know we had a listener, and I apologize for forgetting the name, but I know we got a listener email asking, what does soft mean? Huh. And, and as I'm enjoying this, this Filey Bay flagship and I'm thinking soft... Mm. It doesn't have the prickle of alcohol. It's coming in at 46. Yeah, because I was going to ask you what what you mean by that. Yeah. Because
0: for my palate, this is bright, fruity, and engaging. So what right. do you mean
1: by soft? Soft is almost like stroking velvet. Oh, well, I'm so glad you said velvet. <laughs> what else can you begin with V? And, and it's just... raptors. It's got kind of a certain delicacy to it mm. that... I drink so much natural cask strength and you and I, especially today, sample so many spirits direct from cask Mm -hmm. that we're often dealing with alcohol and where does the alcohol reside? And in dealing with this, gosh, and and this isn't to the detriment. If you told me this was 20% alcohol, I would believe you, Mm. right? It's that soft. It's that delicate. It's that easy across the palate. Drink you're talking to drinkability. And there we go. There we go. Hashtag please drink the whole bottle responsibly.
0: Yeah, it's you know for for me and I've I've visited this whiskey and I've revisited this whiskey and I've revisited (laughs) this whiskey. Because it is a slightly more delicate whiskey. It's interesting to taste it within different contexts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Makes sense.
0: Right? So if you're, if you're like us and, and we wake and we do cast selections and your palate's quite bright and alert then, that's when this is a fruit bomb. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous and delectable. And, and Bikram Singh from Norfolk Wine and Spirits, yep. that's what he talks about, right? It's the, the fruitiness of the Fai Bay. But tonight, I, I agree with you, it's 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 softer, it's almost e- It it's quite easy, I just watched you finish your glass. It's quite easy. It doesn't mean that it's
1: simple. No, it's not simple in the slightest. It's not simple. No, no, There's there's great grain presence from it. We talked in the last episode, we'll return to this in an email that we're about mm. to cover here. We talked about that cereal note that can run through Irish whiskey from the unmalted yeah, barley. Yeah, yeah, sure. This definitely has a cereal note that runs across the palate, but it's not from unmalted barley. It's from nice, clean, crisp cereal barley. I can really get behind that. Mm. And if if you can double check for me, I feel like there's a lot of, Bourbon maturation happening here. Yeah, it's it's one hundred percent bourbon. Okay. Yeah. Sorry okay, if I that,
0: didn't. I thought I mentioned that, but
1: I've, I'm. Yeah. I, I'm
0: tuning in of what you're saying. It's, oh, you me? <laughs> hey, wow. Hey. Oh, wow! This is what
1: happens when we go to Monk's hey, Cafe. It's it's got that clean presence to it, and and you were saying this a moment ago. The brightness, the fruitiness, for me, the cereal notes mm. are all bright and alive and in your face and there's no cask maturation getting in the way of that there's only cask maturation heightening that i like everything you said
0: uh and i'm not even going to do a yes and (laughs) that's what i was thinking (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to do a yes and i have a question for you okay that sounds like a yes and it is a yes (laughs) and but yes and question Nosing this and tasting this.
1: For my empty glass, continue.
0: I'll pour you. I'm going to pour you something really nice. More Fally Bay, by the way. Okay. Um, I like
1: seeing you in person.
0: Isn't that nice? I don't say that every day. Go easy. (laughs) Uh, I hope it's just for logistical purposes. Um, Would you peg this as an English whiskey, as a Yorkshire whiskey? No. No. What would you would you peg it as anything? (sighs) What
1: would you peg it as? Oh, it's such a it's a good question, but it's a loaded question Mm. based on the the answer here. Listen, I think we've reached a point with world single malts Mm -hmm. that so many people are digging the single malt category Mm. that it's not a question of. Is that, and not, not that you said this, but it's not a question of, is that as good as a scotch? Or does that remind you of a scotch region? Mm. It's much more just a, that's a good single malt.
0: Yeah, I, I was asking more, uh, the question that I was asking is somewhat similar to a story that we've told many times. Mm-hmm. When we were at Cadenhead's warehouse and they poured us something blind. Caddenhead's gone. Yep. And I'd said, oh, I don't think that this is scotch whiskey. This is yeah. from another country, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was it was a fantastic single malt. It yeah. ended up being a Paul John. My point is, as you nose and taste this, yeah. would you tie it to world whiskey? Would you maybe say, oh, I
1: wonder if this is a scotch whiskey.
0: Like, where do you think you'd go with
1: that? And that's that's where I was laughing earlier upon your first asking of this question, which was I could probably go lowland on this, lowland okay. scotch,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or I could go for an unsherried space site. Just wait until you taste the next violet Bay. <laughs> I'm
2: going to have
0: to ask you that question all over again.
1: And so the the fact that David proudly says this is yorkshire whiskey mm. i'm a hundred percent there with him there you go right yeah. as we cover the world category and we name all of these countries throw yorkshire in there as well Yep. right yeah <laughs> like i'm totally on board with that I, I he's got no qualms with me uh i just know that it was delicious and you're asking me questions over my empty glass what's next as we as we transition here <laughs>
0: Last September, Last and, uh, and this is September. this is for uh, Trevor Wiki. I was gonna say, so
1: this is before Trevor Wiki sent us an email. <laughs> this is for his for his own notification. Uh, September,
0: sorry, September 2022. Uh huh. I was with the Impex team, and we went out to the United Kingdom. I've heard of it. Hold on, I gotta just open this.
1: And open it. He did. I see a UK duty tax stamp on the back of this. While we were at the Spirit oh. of Yorkshire Distillery, slight more, thank you. Uh, do you need more? <laughs> I'll be coming back for more. So, don't trust you trust me?
0: Order? I don't think you need more. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had in their distillery shop their 2022 Yorkshire Day bottling. So this is this is one of 1,500 bottles. Okay. 55 percent alcohol. Okay. And, oh, Jesus, I don't have the, do I have the canister?
1: Yeah, you just threw it on the bed over there. Oh, I did? Look uh, at so that, Apparently Jason. someone else doesn't need any more.
0: <laughs> Go easy. Oh, I think it just burped into the canister. Oh, into Lord.
1: The- <laughs> Listeners, I do apologize on behalf of Joshua. Oh, man, it doesn't even say. who has been Jason. <laughs> He's now just wandering around. Well, the this room, is
0: this is it's
1: talking to him. Oh, here we go.
0: Here we go. He's
1: found the answer.
0: Jason, go easy. It <laughs> says uh, only fifteen hundred bottles released. You know what? I'm gonna let you guess the cask the cask types in on this one. <laughs> How's that? There's two cask types. Okay. Can you can you because I know Jess loves this. Can you explain the color? Can you describe the color of the whiskey to the, well, we're in a, we're to the in listeners? in
1: what in a Dark corner of our hotel room here, but it it's a it's a pleasing darker amber. Depending what it's put up against, it almost becomes a little sanguine. I would argue that it's
0: likely as dark as any Glenfarclas, Glendronach, <laughs> Glenallykie, Tamdhu, Aberlour.
1: So the two, the two, ca- is it two butts? Uh, it does It's 1,500. It's 1,500,
0: 1500 bottles, bottles from two casks. So no, no, no. It doesn't say two casks. It just explains the two different oh. cask types. Okay. And it just says. So there could be hoggies oh shit, Jason, of this. shit, Jason.
1: <laughs> it's three cask hey, types. Hey, we got answers.
0: So All it right. says X blank, X blank, <laughs> and X blank Casks. Here, I'm gonna read this for our listeners. Yorkshire single malt whiskey, only fifteen hundred bottles released from carefully selected X blank, X blank, and X blank blank casks. Oh my gosh. Specifically for Yorkshire Day oh twenty twenty-two rich and spicy with flavors of dried fruits, cinder toffee. You need to talk to me about that. Okay. Boiled sweets, you need to talk to me about that That's as well. That's just hard candy. Oh, just like boiled yeah, candy? Yeah. Yeah, okay, got it. Hard candy. Hard candies, yeah. Uh, and orange zest, yep. natural color, non-chill yep. filtered, 55%
1: alcohol. This is wild, absolutely wild. Yes, 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 I would yes, 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 yes. drink this every day and twice on Sunday. That It's got a gingerbread quality to it mm. that makes me incredibly happy. And by that, I, I don't mean gingerbread as in gingerbread man cookies, either for those in America or those who are big fans of Shrek, the movie, <laughs> or the musical. But gingerbread as in, so you know, banana bread. Yeah, we in the UK we have gingerbread. So it's like a soft. Yeah, 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 egg. yeah. Really delicious, made with Ooh. golden syrup, like really rich. Goes great with custard. Oh my! Uh, one of my personal favorites. Uh, from- Does your mom have a recipe? <laughs> you just keep my mom out of your mouth
0: <laughs> She gave me her
1: recipe for her tatty
0: scones She did indeed oh, I And don't. I told her
1: He's not in the family I don't know why you're doing this I am now <laughs> So so let me ask you this first question oh Is there going to be a cask type here That I would never guess No you
0: would guess all of these cast types I would argue that two of the cast types Will be obvious The third cast type May not be so obvious, but once you, once I tell you what that is, unless you guess it before that, you would say, "Oh yeah, okay, I can see that."
1: All right. So I would say, "PX, Oloroso, and Sautern. Okay, so you got the Oloroso right. Okay. So there's
0: no PX in this. There's no PX right. Given the richness wow. of this, so le- So, dear listeners. Uh huh. For flagship, uh-huh. you compared Filey Bay flagship to potentially a Lowlander mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a Bourbon Cat Space Cider. Mm-hmm. Nosing this one, having tasted this one, if you were to put it within the context of Scotch whiskey, yeah. again, yeah. right? Because uh, that's going to be your signpost. Yeah. Those are signposts that people get. Where would you then put this? Sherried Space Cider. Sherry Space Cider. Okay. I
1: would even. And it could be more cask driven than spirit driven, but that spice from it, I could almost even make it a Western Highland, Sherried distillery. Oh, I could see that. So I wouldn't just need to keep it in Space Right, and so so
0: this is this is this is one of the things that I love so much about Spirit of Yorkshire Distillery. Now I will be very honest with you in saying that I don't know exactly which spirit was in which cask, but they produce two different spirit types, which David talked about in the interview, yeah. where you're dealing with double distilled and then sometimes double distilled with a bit of column distillation mm-hmm. for a lighter style. And so I don't know what was in these casks, but I wonder if it was just the straight up double column, uh, sorry, double pot stilled. Uh huh. You know, to add to that that little bit of heft.
1: Well, I, I was turning my glasses, I am want to do, yeah. and there's good beading on the glass, there's good legs, there's a, a good deal of oil in there. Mm-hmm. Across the palate, it's not hugely unctuous, it's pleasingly unctuous, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Agreed. And actually, I do wonder if there's a little bit of the column distilled spirit in here.
0: Potentially, yeah. So maybe that maybe that heft is just coming from the Oloroso cask plus. Right. There's two other cask types that you didn't mention. Do you want me to mention them? I, I'd
1: be very surprised if they stuck a bourbon cask in here. So there's a bit of bourbon cask okay. in there. Okay. Okay. Wow, that Oloroso is <laughs> doing the heavy lifting. Right, the, there's no doubt about that. The other heavy lifting is from an ex-Muscatel cask. I would not have guessed that. Okay. Uh, but, but it's if... I love that. I love yeah. that it's there. I absolutely. You and I were talking about oh, just yeah. today. Yeah, Westland right, and muscatel. Right, just this afternoon. Yeah. Right, yep. that, that was our private conversation that I'm now mm. sharing. But yeah, muscatel can do wonderful things. Absolutely wonderful things. If you were to say a number, and obviously none of us understand how time works anymore, but if you were to give a number, how many years ago did you first hear of muscatel in whiskey maturation? In whiskey maturation. Oh. oh, man. How many years ago did you hear, oh, people are sticking whiskey in muscatel? I I would argue it was likely within the past
0: 10 years, oh. maybe even the past six to eight years. Fuck, I would even
1: go five years, four years.
0: Yeah, you know, it's... You know, early on, it was bourbon, it was sherry. If they... Dug deeper, it was Oloroso and PX.
1: Right. Remember right? when the Aaron came out in Monteado and, and then everyone like,
0: was like, "What's that?" Of course, Montiado.
1: Of course, course Glen had their. Oh, I thought you were going to say Glen Murray, because Glen murray has got all their funny little things going on. But well, yeah, yeah,
0: but I'm thinking some of the like the '90s wood finishes from Glen Morangi. Right. Um, you know, where they they kind of went outside the box a little bit. But yeah, muscatel. That just wasn't a cask you heard of. Right. It feels like
1: three years ago, which means I might say five out loud.
0: And, and then meanwhile, name a, a whiskey matured in Muscatel that you didn't
1: like. Right. Right. Gosh. I've, oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to start a list. But yes. Listen. And then there was this one. Listen. And then there was this one. A few moments ago, you said yep. when you mentioned Jen from Spirit of Yorkshire. Jenny. Jenny. Yep. And then you gave her last name. Mellor, And you said? I hope I pronounced that right. We got a text from
0: Anna from Westland. Anna Hines. <laughs> Uh-oh, did I pronounce her name wrong? Is it Hines?
1: walked right into it. Is it Hines? just walked right into it. Hines 57. Anna texted. All right. Good morning. Okay. Exclamation point. Okay. Shit. I'm so sorry, Anna. Just had to say I enjoyed the latest One Nation under Whiskey episode during my morning miles. Let me just say this came in at 10:55 a.m. on the East Coast. So oh. Anna had put in miles and was able to text and had listened to our full episode. By 7.55 a.m. West Coast. You're up at 5 a.m. every day, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> she says, and cheers for the shout-out. So, well done to you. And I said that in the episode. Good job, good job. You said the right names. Parenthetical comment. Oh,
0: here it is. <laughs> it's it's Anna Hints. Is it Anna Hints? It is,
1: yeah. Shut up. It's not Anna Hintz. <laughs> she says, I'll also... Awkwardly say that my last name is pronounced more like hints than the ketchup, but no worries, it happens. Close parenthetical comment. You know what?
0: (laughs) Good on her. Good on her for saying that. So many people say to my wife, they're like, okay, Heidi. And she's stopped saying things. Uh And I'm the guy who's like, "Uh, excuse me, it's Heida. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah. Tamara has not stopped correcting people. Tamara hasn't said anything. She has not. Has Tammy said anything? She's coming for you, bro. (laughs) Anna continues. (laughs) And I was (laughs) sipping on Waterford Gaia Mm. 2.1 for St. Patrick's Day. So delicious. Haven't had the repeated offering yet though, so I was intrigued to hear you talk about it. And then she closes by saying, Congrats on the ROW release.
0: Ah, oh, that's very nice. And
1: puts in the clapping hand emoji.
0: What's the clapping hand emoji look like? I don't know what that looks like. Yeah,
1: the two hands side by side with oh, the emoji. I little thought that was praying. Oh no, the no, the Joshua, we cannot describe emojis on the podcast. <laughs> Can we talk about the colour of this whiskey And what this emoji looks like Here, listen to this And so I said uh, As we're prone to, I did did this in the last episode With the uh, the Anthony Levinson exchange I said, good morning Anna Thanks so much For all your kind words So sorry about the name We'll issue an apology And I'll make fun of Joshua For (laughs) having the confidence of a middle-aged White man (laughs) So win-win To her great credit, she wrote, not necessary, but if it's an opportunity to tease him, dot, dot, dot. (sighs) And I said, always an opportunity to tease him. I never once said her last name on the last episode. I haven't even said her last name on this episode. And you have said it multiple times regardless. I feel targeted. (laughs) (laughs) Rightly so. So listen. Yeah, go ahead. we've got we've got Anna talking about the the water for Gaia and making reference to me talking about the water for Gaia. We got a question from Paul Marco. Oh yeah, into yeah. the info account. Okay, and he says question for the pad cost about Irish whiskey. Paul Marco writes, "Greetings, J and J Spirits." Isn't that
0: lovely? I do like that a lot. That's, that's yeah, a- it's not every. You know, most people just say SCN, Single ah. Cast Nation, but j j Spirits.
1: That's an excellent salutation. Yeah. Yep. Long time, no write-in. I hope this email finds you well. It does, Paul. Thank it you does. very much. It does. Yeah. I was just listening to your latest episode, The One with Matt Hoffman. Mm. And, Paul, mm-hmm. Hoffman has one F, not two. And two Ns. Yeah, not one. one F two Ns. And
0: the interesting thing is, it's H O N N M A F Hoffman. Wouldn't it be?
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> <He doesn't even laughs> well I know. You it. got that right. You absolutely yeah, got dude. that right. Well <laughs> done, you. Well, well done for thinking on the fly. Well done, uh, Paul. Paul says, and during your discussion in the intro, you mentioned that you usually get a prominent serial note. When tasting Irish whiskey Oh yeah. yeah And that you feel this is a function Of the malted and unmalted barley mash bill I did You agreed yeah. We're both in this together Yeah. Whenever I have this style of Irish whiskey I always seem to get a prominent metallic note On the nose yep. and palate Do you get this note as well? If so, do you think the metallic note is also a function of the malted-unmalted mixture? Or is my brain wired in such a way that cereal just equals metallic? Thanks so much for the amazing spirits and excellent pad costing. Mm. Still looking forward to that upcoming warm tub episode by the way winky face cheers paul so there you go joshua is this metallic note that paul marco is experiencing serial or something besides
0: i don't know if it's serial related however I, I thought that i mentioned it in that Matt Hoffman episode, maybe I didn't, but when it comes to pot still Uh whiskeys, I always get this coppery note, it's like sucking on a penny.
1: Yeah, I think I might have encouraged you to edit that out of the final. maybe you did, maybe you did. (sighs) The final
0: pad cost. You just didn't want me mentioning sucking on anything? It was too real, too real. (laughs) But yeah, I th- oh, look at that! Your your glass is empty, Jason. Mm. Let's let's fix that, please. Um, for the man
1: yeah, who said I had too much.
0: Yeah. So I hold on.
1: <laughs> so this a soundtrack I, I, for our day.
0: I love hearing that. Uh, Cheers. That you got it. Um, that Paul is... Marco. Do I thought I, you're, I thought you were. Do I have to name? Do you have to give him a full name check? I just wanted you time. to say
1: someone's name correctly. Marco Paul. Marco Polo. Oh, Jason, don't you do
0: that. <laughs> Speaking of names, there's something I want to say afterwards. But <laughs> listen, uh, it, it's so nice to hear uh, Paul Marco. It's so nice to hear you say Paul Marco that you get this. Paul Marco Polo. Paul Marco. Stop it. It's so nice to hear you say that you get this. This metallic note, because it was a note that I've always gotten. And I think, Jason, you may have mentioned it at one time. Uh-huh. You know, you and I have, have palettes that click. And, and, and quite often, even if you're not using the words, I know how to decipher some of your words oh, and sort right. of translate oh, them right. into what my palette's oh, doing right. and things like that. Oh, right. And so it's nice to hear someone whose palette I don't necessarily know say a similar thing yeah that, that sort of metallic note coming through
1: but here's the the essential follow up all right is if we don't think the metallic means serial mm-hmm. where is that metallic note coming from i've got i've got no clue i i
0: wouldn't necessarily say that i don't think it comes from cereal. All I would say is, I don't know if it comes from cereal. However, the only place, well, let me hold on, I'm, I'm sort of thinking aloud. Uh-huh. The only place I've ever tasted it is within Irish whiskey. However, uh-huh. I've tasted it also in West Cork and
1: Cooley, oh, which is single malt. So it's interesting that you do the single malt within Ireland because I was going to say I do sometimes get that copper penny note in Scotch. So where do you get so it's, so so that's a good thing,
0: right. right? So now we're. I don't think it's okay. The mash bill. Right. So where do you get that that sucking a copper penny? I know in Scotch whiskey.
1: I sometimes wonder if it's from dried out casks. It's mm. <laughs> not the sound Scooby-Doo makes When Shaggy makes a good point um, <laughs> Because it happens so rarely Shaggy, even, even Scooby's Sh- got a Sh- Shaggy's Ooh. full of good points I will go to the death for that man um, Yeah, I, I just I wonder if it's an incomplete maturation That sometimes delivers That copper penny Note to it, or even immature whiskey can sometimes have that copper note quality to it. it. I
0: get it in Red Breast 12.
1: Yeah. Is 12 is year old whiskey immature? I had this conversation immature? with Ollie. He really likes Red Breast 12. He as, thinks as he the 15 con- is better. And I agree with him. Right. But he's a he's a big fan of the 12. And there's not incomplete. I don't, I don't think it's a bad note. happening there.
0: I don't think it's a bad note. I've just only experienced it or at least acknowledged it within Irish whiskey.
1: Yeah, I I just think if you took a Scotch whiskey and you put it in a really dried out sherry cask, you could get a copper penny note from it.
0: All right. Well, it's funny that you bring up Ollie's name. So I think if there's one person Should I get his name out of my mouth? <laughs> no, you keep his name in your mouth. <laughs> I think if there's if there's anyone I would trust to have knowledge with regards to is that connected yeah. to a, a leaky cask or an emptier cask or whatever, like yeah. or Ollie. A, or a would, dried out Or a dried cask. out cask. Thank you. I couldn't think of what you said. So <laughs> I just started Classic. fucking saying shit. Um, Thank God like, one of us is here for precision. Come again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, it would be Ollie. Ollie would be the one. Right. If he said, oh, it's because of X, Y, and Z, it's like, Ali said that, so it's X Y and Z. we
1: we'll ha- we have to get him back on soon, because we want to talk uh-huh. about progress within Port Natroon, yep, and we want to talk about Tormor, Tormor as well. Yeah, yeah. We want to talk about what he's experiencing yeah, in the warehouse sure. over there.
0: Oh, 100 percent.
1: God knows he's sitting alone in the highlands so many nights that he can come on a podcast. We can have a chitty chatty with him. Do you know <laughs> do you know how much Tormor oh. he has? <laughs> I do. Are we re- revealing? It's more torment. No. Painful. painful, painful. Here's another email. How are we doing oh, on geez, time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have my garage band running. Oh, jeez, so. we're we're okay. We
0: got a little time, but go ahead. Have we but re- have we do re- your email, on? and there's yeah. there's something that I wanted to bring up. All right. And and I think it's actually quite important. We should have brought this
1: up a year and a half ago. <laughs> oh, God. You say things like that, I have no idea what's going to come of it all. Okay, you ready for this email? I was born ready. Listen closely, Joshua. I'm listening closely. Even though your name isn't used at any point, I want you to listen closely. I am listening closely. Dear J, J, and J. All right. Yep. That, that That's three Js. So this I... is March 25th. This is Christopher Hagen, maybe uh. Hagen, H-A-G-E-N. This is this is recent. It's Hagen. Why like is in Hagen Das Confidence of a middle-aged white man? Blind... What's his first name? Uh, Christopher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is happening right now? It's it's Christopher Hagen. Oh and lord! I want to say Hagen Das. God, he's so confident. Gonna. He's so confident. I can't do it. But go ahead, Christopher. Ice let, cream. let us know. He's Christopher Hagen's. His new Nate nickname is the Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Go. What does the Ice Cream Man have to say? I'm your ice cream man, stop me when I'm passing by. Oh, my, my, I'm your ice cream man, stop me when I'm passing by.
1: He says, Blind Tasting featuring S C M. Dear JJ, and no. I hosted a small blind tasting with my scotch club last night and two of your bottles Were the most talked about of the night That's nice Parenthetical comment I featured the Linkwood 12 refill sherry butt Retail release And the Paul John 5 Close parenthetical Mm. comment Mm -hmm. I figured The blind format would be Great to eliminate Any bias on the part Of the group What was the first whiskey again? It was Paul John, and what was the other one? Linkwood 12 Refill Show. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes,
0: Oh, wow, yes.
1: And then after eliminating any bias on the part of the group, he, he says, "Low age statements, world whiskey, mm-hmm. etc." This is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I led with a Linkwood 25 G&M distiller labels bottling. Mm. Those can be cracking. Gm and m of Also recently increased that ABV to 46% on the distiller label series. Big chef's kiss for that. Mm -hmm. I'm already buying some of them. I avoid them. Just because of the ABV. Absolutely. I'm I'm already returning to those labels. Uh, Actually, my first Linkwood that I ever had was on Rose Street in Edinburgh, and it was a distillery labels bottling by Gordon McPhail with the, the Golden Eagle on it uh, the 15
0: e- or 25, do you remember?
1: I don't, probably a 15 to be okay. honest with you yeah. um, but real cracking late yeah, 90s sure yep. it's like, oh, sure remarkable yeah. who's this d- d- distillery? this is remarkable um, so, where were we? Um, I led with a liquid 25 G&M distiller labels bottling and then slipped in your Linkwood 12 in the number 2 slot People had no idea what it was, but they were raving. Such a great buttery nose and so much flavor with basically zero color. Mm Mm-hmm. What are we not? Color guys. What do we keep releasing? (laughs) Whiskey (laughs) That may or
0: may not have color to it.
1: <laughs> no artificial coloring, just. No artificial color, yeah. That's, just that's some real really deep great. reds coming yep. out from us. Yep. But but yeah, I, I love hearing that that was re- well received, especially blind. Chris says We then moved on to a that boutique whiskey company, Isla, number two, 25 mm. year, a signatory Clinlish. Nineteen ninety six, checks out, and wrapped up with your Paul John five. Ooh, wow, that's a great one to round it down on. Okay, does it? Yeah. So you've gone Linkwood twenty five G and M, into Linkwood twelve SCN, into that boutique whiskey company, twenty five year old Isla, into Signatory Clinlish nineteen ninety six. Into a five-year-old going Paul John peated mm-hmm. peated obviously yeah right? makes sense right Scottish peated barley. Mm-hmm. Ah, Chris writes the Paul John had the room imagining a small diner serving bacon and sunny side up Ooh. eggs with a side of slightly burnt toast. People huh. loved it. Interesting. That's so cool. So very, very cool. I'm just imagining a small diner serving bacon and sunny-side-up eggs with a side of slightly burnt toast. God, I love that. It's so great that he did that blind. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? He says, one funny note. All right. I thought there were lots of funny notes, but one funny note. Okay. After the second SCN bottle was revealed... I was jokingly accused of hosting some kind of SCN Amway party. For, for, for those, Isn't that in, one of the pyramid scheme yeah, kind of things. Yeah, okay. for those in other parts of the country, uh, <laughs> the, the idea is maybe like a a, a Tupperware party, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a, a Ann Summers party. Uh-huh. Um flame was my mum's way back in the day. What was it? Auraflame. Okay. Essentially, just like all the rest, you would invite a bunch of friends over you would get them in your house to sign order sheets mm-hmm. that would pick up whatever it was you were trying you to sell to them. And then on the stuff that you wanted them. And from then if them, one of yeah. them wanted to become a seller, yeah, then you yeah. would get blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so, pyramids, pyramids. There you go. So Chris says, I'll be patiently waiting for my commission to arrive in the mail. <laughs> hey, there's no crime against waiting. There's no crime against waiting. <laughs> what a nice email from the, uh, from, oh, is there more? A little bit more. Oh, man. But in all seriousness, I think SCN may have a few more converts in the Chicago area after uh, last night. Keep up the great work, Chris. So. He didn't sign to the ice cream man. But he I didn't think sign he, to the ice cream he man? He will in future. Well, that's awesome. Um,
0: I will have to let Chris, the ice cream man, and, and others know when I'm in Chicago next, it's great to see another Chicago name.
1: So hopefully we'll see him at a, a tasting there sometime soon. That, that would be really cool. Yeah, we've got such wonderful supporters in the Chicago area that, yeah, I'd love to add them to that number. So there's one last thing I wanted to add. Oh, there's well, there one of the last thing I wanted to add.
0: Fucking hell. Go
1: ahead. The, this is a little bit more catching up. This is from February 24th of this year. Do you have another email? Just as a sentence. But the sign-off is so good because I was talking about Chris not signing the ice cream man because he hadn't received the nickname yet. Okay. I wanted to return you to Ryan Fifley, who you'll remember as the Montana monster. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. And on February 24th, Ryan wrote in to say, wow, I just heard the latest episode. Thanks for mentioning our project. We look forward to contributing our small part to the whiskey world. And he signed it, Ryan Feifel, parentheses, not related to Michelle Pfeiffer. So it's funny that you bring that up. I'm guessing we
0: didn't record that. I do remember that email coming in. Yeah, we never
1: never covered his return. You and I did talk about it. And it came with this photo which is kind of his setup.
2: Oh, that's right. That's Some the nice, Montana. Right. Yeah,
1: moving to Montana there soon. There you go. Overnight Sensation, my friend. I know that album intimately yeah, so now. so Jason,
0: <laughs> t- t- tell the listeners about your experience with Overnight Sensation.
1: Oh, it would take far too long, but you and I discussed it privately <laughs> off mic, and, yeah. and now my boys have got Moving to Montana soon stuck in their heads. So if I could have done you any favors, it is that.
0: So this is the last thing that I want to say before we get out of here. All right.
1: All right. I'm with you.
0: You obviously know who Colin of the Pluralized Mares of course, is. Of course. you course. do, right? And you, of course, remember the name Cameron Taylor.
2: Of course. Yeah.
0: So Cameron Taylor and Colin of the Pluralized Mares... I'm with you. ...got together oh. and created a one nation down under oh my god whiskey podcast There's a little video here you can see it here on the <laughs> it was in the one nation under whiskey Facebook group it was on um uh, it was on Instagram as well and it was basically Cameron in, in my in my honest opinion it was a six to 12 minute attempt I don't know how long the video was I was drinking at the time Jason It was a six to 27 minute long attempt for Cameron to gain his own nickname. And if I'm being honest, I had been toying with the idea of giving Cameron a nickname for perhaps the past two years. And I had one for him. I remember he posted something on on Instagram and he mentioned something. I'm like, dude, have I got the... Nickname for you, and then I said I would record it, and then oh, we never record no. it, and then I couldn't remember.
1: Oh my god, you should write everything down, Joshua. But I, th- but I, th- I think I've got one. Okay,
0: you know, I like to rhyme things, right? Okay, he, he so first off, I know you're not on Instagram. <laughs> A, you should be on Instagram. <laughs> B, if you get back on Instagram, uh, Cameron's um, uh, discovery, what Rams? do they call that? Handle. Handle, yeah, is is Discovering Drams. I'm with you.
1: I remember from back in the
0: day. I always (laughs) wanted to say Discovering Yams. Like, how cool would it be if you're like just like a potato farmer and your handle was Discovering Yams? (laughs) So I think we're just going to call Cameron Discovering Yams. That's his new nickname,
1: Yams. (laughs) You you down with that? Discovering Yams. (laughs) Discovering Yams. That really works for me. It's like a sweet potato. There you go. Yams and
0: the plural (laughs) mares. So there you go. go. We got Colin of the Pluralized Mares, and we got Yams, Discovering (laughs) Yams. So there you go. Cameron Cameron. Yams Taylor. We got Colin of the Pluralized (laughs) Mares. We have Discovering Yams, and we got the Ice Cream Man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been a full episode. It has been a full episode. And I'm I'm still. Uh, you know, I think we sometimes whisper this at the end of episodes, but I'm yes. I'm really hitting this Filey Bay hard.
0: Because it's phenomenal, <laughs> right? And this was Yorkshire Day
1: release? Yeah, Yorkshire every, every year there's a Yorkshire Day, wow. apparently. Yeah, I didn't know that. And, I thought uh, every day was Yorkshire Day. Speak to folk from Yorkshire. Every, every day, day is, is Yorkshire, Yorkshire day. day.
0: Jason, it has been an absolute pleasure recording this episode with you. It was really... Is really a joy sitting down with you and with David Thompson. That was and, a blast of an interview. Absolutely a blast. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where you talk to whiskey people all day long and, and you know how to talk to them. Yeah. You know the types of questions to ask them. When you're talking to someone whose life is agriculture, yeah. you're presented with the, the issue of not necessarily knowing the right question to be asking. And it, it was nice to to be in that zone, to, to, to have a completely different kind of conversation.
1: But also how nice to, to run the, the Jim Swan thread ah, through yeah. another conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it, you know, you and I could record this podcast for another 30 years. We will never have Jim Swan on it. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. But as we keep talking to people... To keep Jim's name alive. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, sure. And, and means and it means we're doing something right in this industry as well. So there you go. There you go. I don't wanna get modeling. I wanna keep enjoying this wow, whiskey. And I'm, Jason. We're gonna hit the stop button and cracking your
0: veneer right there. You're gonna pour You're about little, to
1: let an emotion out. What's you're, going you're, on? You're gonna pour a little more whiskey for them for me as we say Where's your glass? You can't it's cheers without right a here. glass. You number it's it. right here. All right, all right. To David. To David. Of course to Jim, to Anna, to Trevor. Oh, gosh, Trevor from 2022. Yeah. To <laughs> the ice cream man. To the ice cream man. <laughs> to discovering yams. And to Paul
0: Marco Polo. To Paul Marco Polo. And of course Colin of the pluralized mm-hmm. mares. We've, we've mentioned him. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>